Для тех, кто смотрит, будет смотреть эту информацию. Господин Пурчинов, господин Яценюк, господин Тернебок и же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов, Ренат Леонидович, господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного Еврейского Конгресса, господин Фирташ и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. А теперь это Просто прямая оккупация Соединенными Штатами Украины через подставных лиц. concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, June 24th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I decided to do a very focused show today and, and, and highlight something that is going on in Russia, which I'm sure everybody is aware of, and, and really try to, you know, cut to the quick of the entire situation, which is what we try to do on this show. And a lot of times it ends up where we just don't know. And that's okay as well. One of the biggest things we see today, and I think a lot of people are pointing this out, is with situations like this, it is overwhelmed with just everybody saying what they think is happening, people framing what they think as that as something they know for sure, people who have inside sources that nobody can confirm. Now, personally, I find this to be a combination of People have been kind of engineered into this, whether because of trolling or because they actually think that that means something, and in combination with actual operations, which is always going on. But from all sides, multiple governments, independent entities, people out there who are trying to control your perception for their benefit. Always happening in this. So I felt like typically I'm not one to focus on a topic that is kind of the big thing going on, because I tend to feel like there's something else behind that, which maybe is, I mean, I, I can almost prom promise you there is something else going on behind all of this because there always is, but is that why this is happening? So we'll go through the information today because I do find this to be an important development and I'll give you my thoughts on what I think is happening, the information that we have, as well as why I think this, regardless of which way this played out, still shows us some very important things. So let's get, go through the information today and let you guys make your decisions for yourselves Quite frankly, I think this is a combination of a few things going on, but I think it's it's not probably what you're expect what you're thinking right now, what you might be guessing, trying to add up from previous situations with what we can prove right now, you're you're most likely correct. But let's go through and start with some of the earlier things I think that are important to point out, some funny stuff as well as some other things that might be going on around this, you know, behind or rather tangential to this that you guys might want to see. And then we'll get into the, the main point of today, which is just going to be the Wagner coup and what's going on in Russia. Really quickly, I just thought this was funny. 
To start off with a not so serious point, Sal the Agorist made this, put out this tweet, this meme that I thought was funny, just going back to some other shows. And I was going to use this to pretty much just point at my, my recent work. You see this meme of this, you know, whatever, I guess this is just supposed to be woke people today, people on the left, whatever, saying, no, only scientists can talk about vaccines in regard to RFK Jr. Because that's the big thing right now, right? You can't listen to Joe Rogan or RFK Jr. You got to listen to the doctors. And then, of course, the image is just a picture of Bill Gates and a shrug. And we all get the point. Everybody gets the point. Hypocrisy. That it only matters when it's your non-scientist, your non-doctor, my, my non-peer-reviewed study versus your. It's just hypocrisy. The point is, this is everywhere. And guess what? It's not left or right. It's the two-party illusion on both sides that does this all the time. And that's why we're stuck all the time. I think people are starting to see through it. But on just the point of this stems from this conversation of this Mr. Cotez clown who is continuing to prove himself to be just that running from an engagement of any kind of debate and, and all of his, anyway, not even worth getting into again right now. The point is, if you want to get into the information about what this is really discussing, right, the idea that people are attacking the RFK Jr. conversation from Joe Rogan about the vaccinations, and he's in fact quite right about most of it. We discussed it here as well, kind of before it all kicked off and then revisited the Hotez meltdown, which you can watch in that show yourself. There's also a train that derailed in Montana that was today. And the Yellowstone River, which I think is the second one now, which is apparently leaking dangerous things into the water. But they're telling you there's no reason to be concerned just yet, but you should probably conserve your water. You know, the point is with with the East Palestine situation, that is what it is, which we all seem to know everywhere across the world. What what happened there? What's going on and how they're actively covering it up and hurting people in the meantime. And yet nobody's being held accountable for that. Not local, not federal, not the company. You know, they're paying for stuff while actively trying to not pay for things all over the place while making lots of, you know, profitable deals going forward with what's going on in that location, you know, blah, blah, blah. The point is, how can we trust what they tell you going forward? It's difficult, isn't it? And some people frame that as some kind of catastrophic, I don't know, failure. We always should have been this way. We should have always been going, I don't buy it. Or rather, just specifically, I'm going to check it for myself. I don't know why I would blindly take what you tell me is happening at face value. Yeah, we're not all experts at everything. Guess what? Neither are they. The point, though, is that this is a big problem, and it's happening a lot all over the place. And we have every right to wonder whether there's something else going on here. But just at the crux of the point, how we can prove that they are taking action, both corporate and government, to remove liability, almost always at your expense. East Palestinians are absolutely, it is chaotic what is going on to them right now. Everything, I mean, I just saw a new article about how the entire state, the entire city is seemingly, it's fracturing and everyone, everyone's confused. You know why they're confused? Because they're being gaslit and lied to on an aggressive and massive scale. And in, the, in real time, people are struggling. Kids are sick, vomiting, pustulas, pustulas on their face. I'm, this is not a joke. And yet... Let's let's just look. Let's talk about Russia today. You know, that's how that's why it's so difficult for these things to pop up. Anyway, before I take too much time on this. This is happening all over the place. And I think we've proven to this point our government is not willing to be honest with you, especially in, in <laughs> to ben, to benefit the companies over you. Absolutely shocking. So keep that in mind as we talk about the government and what could have happened in Russia today, as well as this interesting and scary development we all saw coming. This is, I believe, the Washington Post. Delhi considers new lockdown. 
this time for pollution, not COVID. Gee, who said? Well, this is 2021, of course. The point, though, is that this is something that we've seen coming. And there's a lot of these kind of rattling around, a lot of conversation about what the next thing might be. And some of the people are clamoring for just that. That has nothing to do with viruses, even though they're kind of jamming that together. So we'll get more into this as we go forward. One of the other big topics that's here today, which I'll play these couple of clips for you, and then we'll jump right into what's going on in Russia, is another huge story. Absolutely gigantic story that one side of the false paradigm seems to be pretending is not happening. On the other side, of course, in this case, it's hard to say they're overblowing it because I got to be honest, what's going on with this Hunter Biden story is pretty damn obviously intense. But typically, it's, there's, you know, obfuscation on all sides is pretty much always how it goes. But it's kind of incredible to see this happening. As I mean, Just watch the clips for yourself and watch the way they're even responding to this. Now, obfuscation is the name of the game here for anybody in this position at the White House press briefing. But the way they respond to this, I got to say, it's even in this point with what they're supposed to do, it seems almost laughable. Like we know that they know that there's a problem and they just pretend they're not going to answer the questions. This is about Hunter Biden. And apparently I'll just read what he wrote here. The White House National Security Council walks out after being asked repeatedly about Biden's WhatsApp messages with China implicating President Biden. And then KJP says they do the same thing. Now, there's a real story here, guys. As far We'll just do these really quick, actually. Sean Davis points out that every single Democrat in the House, and Way- House Ways and Means Committee voted this morning, and this was on the 22nd, to hide the IRS whistleblower testimony and keep it secret. He says, we, w- now we know why. It is devastating proof that the Biden family is a criminal organization. That's his framing. And DOJ is a corrupt Democrat, pr- Democrat protection racket. Now, of course, this framing is wildly naive to me. Are we really going to pretend that it's, it goes back and forth? If we keep seeing this as a left versus right concept, all you're going to do is remove the left bad guys right now while the right continues to do the same thing and it flip-flops and continues down the line. To pretend that we can suddenly, I mean, this is a government problem. The left-right thing is so you never see the full picture. And I just, this is what gets so frustrating, trying to battle through these people that have part of the, con- and look, I could be wrong, of course. But my God, we need to see this as a bigger problem than just one side of this. It's not just the, the, the left DOJ. The DOJ is the problem as the government, all of these institutions or government organizations that are actively acting against American interests. Not for the left, not for the right, but for the government's interests against yours. It's amazing that we still have to press this in, but this is still an important story. As Insider Paper writes, Hunter Biden deducted payments to prostitutes, sex clubs from his taxes according to the New York Post. It's amazing. This stuff is there, man. This is, a, this is not a joke story. We know that the laptop itself has been vindicated despite all of the left media pretending like it wasn't real and still apparently acting like it's not. I mean, this is how completely distorted everything is. It's gone past the idea that it's like we are still lying. It's like they all collectively agree that we know we're lying, but we won't admit it because if we do, we lose. So we all go, it's fake though. Vaccines are lovely and not hurting anybody. East Palestinians are completely healthy. Yep. <laughs> like, that's just you nod your head and go along with the narrative because that's all you can do. That's where we are. As Doom points out, the House vetoes, uh, the, the U.S. House votes, excuse me, to send articles of impeachment against Biden to the Judiciary, judiciary and Homeland Security Committees. But I agree with, with Doom. Grab some snacks and get ready for this theater masterpiece. I mean, how often do we ever see, like, the, whether it's Clinton or Trump, what happens? You know, that we well, they were impeached. Well, not really. 
they went through this process, but were they actually impeached? Did they like this is how this game gets played? Same things going on with, with Clinton or Trump that happened with Clinton, where one side says they were because they technically were, but they didn't technically get removed. And by the way, who goes to jail? Who goes and gets in trouble for all the things we're doing? This nothing. The classic idea: get fired from your job, and that makes everything okay, right? Do we get that benefit? It's actually absolutely crazy. No, that's my last point I'll make. But here, let's play these clips because they're ignoring this story, absolutely ignoring it. House Ways and Means Committee yesterday released documents, their authenticity nowhere challenged. Uh, that included a July 2017 WhatsApp message sent by Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao, a Chinese Communist Party official, which stated in its entirety, and I quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father, unquote. So just a couple of questions about this. First, does this not undermine uh, the president's claim during the 2020 campaign and the reaffirmations of that claim by his two press secretaries since then. That- Meaning he lied. He repeatedly lied about it, and so did the press secretaries. Uh-huh. That's the truth. That he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with him? No, and I'm not going to comment further on this. We're good. We're good. I, I'm not. James, James, let me just, let me save you some, let me save, let me save, let me save you some breath. If you're going to ask about this, I am not addressing. I don't. I know you do more than I'd like you to have. I am not going to address this issue from this podium. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Right, right. So that's what it looks like to run away. Like, ask yourself in any other situation. No matter how aggressive it gets, do they just up and leave? Like this, they're trying to act like you're doing something wrong. It's this is like a parental tactic. Right. You, you're just you're like, nope, not going to do it. You keep doing it. I'm going to walk away. OK, fine. I'm going to walk away then. What are these kindergartners you're dealing with? That's how she clearly treats them all the time. Like they're a bunch of children. You're asking a very, very prominent and very valid question. And they just don't like Then fine. Then keep saying no comment. The fact that he storms off and is clearly frustrated by it says everything to me. Right. I mean, this, this is what they do for a living. They get they, all the time. They get absolutely b- bombarded with all pressure. KJP gets so frustrated. by, But this is how they act with this basic question. Like that really does say a lot to me. Same thing from her. Watch this. The way she responds right here is, is very telling. And she's she's so bad at this. I always have to say that. And she it's the way she stumbles around it. She reveals that they're hiding something to me. Couldn't answer James's question though. Are you going to answer the question? It's not, not a reasonable question to ask. Well, the I, and it's also what's one one point people keep making. You know, of course, this all could be completely staged. For all we know, always something to ask. But how interesting it is that you know the press corps. Like you can see it in her face almost. It's like some of these people she sees as her allies, right? The people that you know don't ask the right wing crazy whatever. And I, I don't think she's okay with this. Like, you just see it in their face. My personal opinion, but you have people in there that are suddenly pushing back in ways that you're not supposed to do. Wink, wink, like we all know we're not supposed to do. And sir, they all gang up on it right here, which either is completely organized or they just know they can't just let this go. Or maybe they're trying to get a, a benefit to their own personal career. All these things play a factor. 
United States was involved, as this message seems to suggest, in some sort of a coercive conversation for business dealing by Assange. Is that something, if he wasn't, then maybe you should tell us. So that. here's the thing, I, and I appreciate the question. I believe my colleague uh, at the White House Council uh, has answered this question already, has dealt with this, has uh, uh, made it very clear. I just don't have anything to share outside of what my colleagues have shared, uh, and so I would refer you to him and the, D and the DOJ. Just, just not going to comment from here. I will, what I can tell you is I know that my colleague has dealt with this. He, he uh, addressed this at the White House Council. I just don't have anything else to share. I just, I just answered the question. I just answered the question. Yes or no, was the president involved in the shakedown I just answered. Stephen, Stephen, I just answered the question. I just said, I just, this is. I guess I can't stand the way that they keep doing this. And it is sort of new. This, this, it's it, Kamala Harris really kind of championed this. The way she regards you as if you are a child. Steve, Stephen, Stephen, I already told you. Like, how that, guys, that's that is so wildly patronizing. Like, just let them ask the question and be like, no comment. Okay, no comment. Let them talk for 40, no comment, right? I mean, that's how this used to go. But the way that they're treat, they're acting like this is some kind of, like, I, I don't even know what the right word for it is. Give me your thoughts in the chat. Right. What the way that she's her demeanor. Now, it's obviously you're it's demeaning. Right. You're treating them like they're children. But it's I don't know. It's very fascinating to me to see how this is flipped. It's not up to you how I answer the question. I just answer the question by telling you my colleagues at the White House Council has dealt with this. And I would refer you to her colleagues has dealt with this. <laughs> That's a minor one, but still fun to make fun of how she can't even speak in, in a position where all you do is speak. But what's funny, though, is that. That's not an answer, though. It's not an answer to say, I'm not going to answer your question. No. Okay. Can you just remind us what your colleague said from the White House <laughs> Council so we have it? I, you would, I, would, I would refer you to them, and they will share their statement with all of you. So the answer is no. You won't tell us because you either don't know or that's the point is you're trying to aggressively avoid what is in that response or the non-response. Your statements from that podium, you stated that the president stands by his comment from the 2020 campaign that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with his son. And you stood at that podium yeah. and you reaffirmed that. Do you stand by your reaffirmation? I, what I will say is nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And I will leave it there. Anything else, I will refer you to the White House counsel. That, that's a non-answer. That's a, that's a, it's a, I mean, so saying nothing has changed, whatever ends up happening, you could argue that's what you meant. Right. I mean, it's just a way of not answering because she knows that what he's trying to do is put you on the record. Are you are you standing by the fact that you say you're saying you don't he didn't do that? We all know he did. We're watching it. You know, we know we all know. And she doesn't want to answer. This is what dishonesty looks like. Right. This is what slimy, disgusting politicians look like. All sides do it. Why don't we recognize that? This is not a change. I just answered the question. You asked, you just asked me, do, does my statement change? Awesome. I just told you nothing has changed. That's answering the question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Stephen, I'm calling on your colleague right now. Go ahead. Thank you. To, to follow up on my colleague, is there anything that you can say with regard to this text message and what the president's son was alleging? Was the president there or not? I would refer you to my colleagues at the White House Council. Wow. They have addressed this, and I refer you to them. That's It's just really, really pathetic. They're, they're not even trying to push back. I mean, that's very telling to me. You guys can think about what you want. I think that's important. We'll come back to this in general. I mean, I don't think we even really truly need to.
it's very interesting and obvious what's going on. But one last point, you just might you might have just seen this. This person says, wow, not a conspiracy theory. Merriam-Webster actually changed the definition of vaccine between January 11th, 2021 and January 26th, 2021. Archived for the world to see what was going on in mid-January 2021 that caused such a frantic scramble. I'm just, I was, I mean, almost blown, blown, feel like I wanted to fall out of my chair because of the way it was framed. As I said, I've often made this point as all it takes, guys, East Palestine, vaccine risk, what's really going on in Ukraine is just you looking for yourself as opposed to ignoring just any idea, opposing thought or study that the mainstream told you to. Think of how actually wild it is for this person, who, by the way, I'm in no way diminishing. But think about how wild it is for him to be shocked in 2023 to discover that, oh, my God, it actually did happen. But finding this out today, even as we've all been saying this for years. And here's the point. is he, Him saying it's not it actually happened. That means he did hear about this, right? He had heard about this. He'd heard people talk about it. And I guess up until June 21st, 2023, For two years, he had been thinking it was a conspiracy theory. Now, how do you let something like that happen? It's Again, this is not an indictment of lying advocacy. I'm I'm glad, I'm happy for him that he sees it and that he has enough courage to share it. But it's just, it's so mind-blowing, and this applies to everything we're talking about, that people out there have decided that they are going to trust the experts or the science, and that doesn't even mean what those words mean anymore. It means whatever their mind is contorted into. Well, Fauci says it, if Hotev says it, well, that's what it is, and I have to because if I don't, then I'm not trusting the science. It's brain. We are watching cult and social engineering, brainwashing type stuff. And for whatever reason, he just decided to look, I guess, and was like, "Well, what do you know?" So, are there really people out there that are of the mind that this didn't even happen, and that even though we have the evidence, they just go, "That's fake news" because they're supposed to? Yes. How do you fight against that? I mean, that's, that is brainwashing. And this is what I've always tried to point out. So I wanted that to be on the record. We'll talk about this more. But my God, guys, and not only that, but the good thing is we're actually still breaking through. People are deciding to look at these things for themselves. It's a powerful moment. I think it makes a lot of difference. So let's start at on the 20th. Okay, so let's go back to the 20th. There's a lot of other things we can go all the way back to 1940s, 53 you know, and we're going to go over some of this after the main bulk of what's going on in Russia with the Wagner Group. But let's start here because you might have seen this. The Pentagon announced an accounting error provides an extra $6.2 billion for Ukraine. Now, we're, what's interesting is a lot of people seem to have misunderstood this. I mean, it seems to be filtering out correctly today. But the day this came out, it seemed like everybody was acting like there was a missing $6.2 billion, Or some people were, anyway. So to clarify so we understand, this was essentially... accounting error, they said, where they overcompensated what they sent. So they thought they sent 12 billion, but it turns out they only actually sent 6 billion. So they had an extra 6.2 billion where they could send to Ukraine, (laughs) which is just, it's just so stupid to me. Okay. We're all just like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. I guess we'll just believe you. I mean, do we even need that narrative? Can they just send 6 billion when they want to nobody? What, at what point do we ever feel like we have any say over this? Interesting, right? So I don't. I think there's more to this, but realize that what, two, three days before this started, they had just found $6 billion and sent more money to Ukraine. So think about how that might play a factor with what's going on today. Here's what she said. Following up from um, some announcements earlier this year, 
during the department's regular oversight of our execution of presidential drawdown authority for Ukraine, we discovered inconsistencies in equipment valuation for Ukraine. In a significant number of cases, services used replacement costs rather than net book value. So they used the replacement cost amount, which would be less than what it would at like blue book value for a car kind of concept, right? That doesn't that's not a mistake, guys. That that's the kind of accounting you see with fraudulent companies and governments. You are either at this point trying to undervalue so you don't have to admit to how much you're actually sending. And maybe this was just used secondarily to be like, well, guess what? We undervalued, so now we can send more. I mean, it just none about nothing about this seems honest. And we all remember this from 9-11 and all these different examples of the time where we just don't know. And we fail audits every time forever. But you have to give us exactly what we think you owe us no matter what. And we're going to make you guess at the number before we even tell you. And if you get it wrong, we're going to charge you more. That's called taxes every year. It's a scam. Thereby overestimating the value of the equipment drawn down from U.S. stocks and provided to Ukraine. Once we discovered this misvaluation, the comptroller reissued guidance on March 31st, clarifying how to value equipment in line with the financial management regulation and DOD policy to ensure we use the most accurate of accounting methods. Now, ask yourself this. If, if, what, if let's just for sake of conversation say this is a complete lie. Think about how, how easy that is to just be like, oh, wait a minute. So we've sent $6 billion this whole time. But turns out, <laughs> our mistake, it only was worth $3 billion. Suddenly, you just changed by 50% whatever you were doing. Now, I, I don't even know what that equals for their agenda, but just think about how interesting that is. And how do we know? How can we prove that? This is just words coming from the Pentagon, who's been lying to us our entire lives. It's just an interesting thing, right? It seems like the whole you know $10,000 toilet seat kind of game that we've talked about in the past, where they just lie about things, and it's more of a black market of things happening behind all those numbers. We have confirmed that for FY23... The final calculation is $3.6 billion. Okay, you get the point. So three, so another $3 billion plus is now going to go, or excuse me, over a $6.2 billion more is going to be available to go to Ukraine. Okay. Here's just the ABC News. Pentagon Accounting Air provides an extra $6.2 billion in aid. Perfect timing. So two days later, all of this explodes. Wonder if that $6.2 billion played any factor in all of that. And let's not forget that the Pentagon repeatedly this is just one of any number of these you can find this is from november 23rd 2022 from the cradle who you guys should be following it's a great platform pentagon fails to pass new financial audit unable to account for over two trillion dollars oops <laughs> now give me your money <laughs> you know okay so you guys can barely tie your shoes financially when it comes to your own assets but we're supposed to be able i mean this is just so across the board, disgusting, insulting. And it's not, this is not just incompetence, guys. This is criminal activity. And I think we really need to come to terms with that. And it always, it's the same right now. Wyatt Reed also pointed something else interesting out. Now we're, we're still on June 20th. This is Robin uh, Brooks on the 20th saying, plenty of Russian money beyond official FX reserves. The West can seize. Oh, look at that just randomly seize Russian things because that's what the government of the U.S. does all the time with Venezuela, you know, and none of this is legal, guys. It's a big weird. At the same time, the U.S. government's the one saying we're not even really at war with Russia, but we'll do what we this, this is what rampant lawlessness, rampant lawlessness looks like. And to be clear, this is not this. He's just the strategist for Goldman Sachs, senior economist. He's not a U.S. government personality or uh, that's about right, actually. 
nonetheless, this is exactly what happens. But he's simply saying that Russia's CA surplus in 2022 was 233 billion, of which 100 billion is in BIS reporting countries. Seizing this would be like taxing Russia's 2022 energy price with a right. So blaming them for all the things that you guys have created. Pretty crazy. Also realize that when we're talking about surplus, <laughs> that's something the U.S. government does not understand or doesn't care about. But it says now that we're OK with just confiscating private assets, because that's what we're talking about here. That's like taking the yachts of oligarchs that have nothing to do, at least provably on the surface. And just like the oligarchs here likely are involved with the government actions. The point is provably legally. You're just seizing rich people's stuff because Russia, that's what oligarchs do, right? So the, as they pretend not to be that, that's what they do. But it says if they can be linked to an invasion, whatever that means, when do Iraqis get the billions of oil stolen by Bush and Cheney and Halliburton? Oh, oops. Let's talk about that. When do the Syrians get the billions of oil being stolen in illegal occupation right this moment or the wheat they burn? I guess it only applies to a certain agenda. Okay. So we see $6.2 billion available. We see this discussion about seizing assets should something happen based on invasion. Okay, so you can see these pieces potentially coming together that might be incentivizing certain people. And also, I just want to include this. This is just one of many. But let's not forget that this is where your government stands. Whether it's the German foreign minister, the United States, or any number of people we've heard actually say this. And this is just paraphrasing, but you'll all let it play. This is what she says. This is not her exact quote. This is what Richard wrote. But I will put Ukraine first no matter what my German voters think or how hard their life gets. That is what she's saying. You can listen for yourself. That The voters, whatever the voters think, she's going to do what's right for Ukraine. But democracy, though, right? If I give the promise to people in Ukraine, we stand with you as long as you need us then I want to deliver, no matter what my German voters think, but I want to deliver to the people of Ukraine. And this is why, for me, it's important to be always very frank and clear. And this means every measure I'm taking, I have to be clear that this holds on as long as Ukraine needs me. We are facing now a winter time where... Okay, so the... You're, you're, if you're a German voter, she just literally told you, you're not, you don't get to make this decision. No matter what you vote for, we're going to do what we want for Ukraine as long as they need it. Doesn't, I mean, it's amazing the kind of things that these, these d- democracy fantasies for people around the world, what it takes to not break this illusion. Listen to what they're telling you. If they get to decide, regardless of what you pretend to vote for, there is not an an elective, there's not a representative government taking place. It's the illusion of one of those things. And that's what we're all dealing with. That They have dedicated themselves to fight for Ukraine, whatever that ultimately means, at your expense as long as it takes. I hope that's pretty clear. Now, on the 22nd, This is an interesting development. I'm not sure if this is exactly associated with this, but this happened two days or really one day before this started. It is being reported that the Ukrainian government has announced a full general mobilization for their entire territory of the Ukraine. From now, all males over 18 who have not yet received a military summons, that's including trans people, must report to the recruitment office within 10 days, even if medically unfit. And by the way, we've proven this at least three different episodes. The whole argument that there's some kind of bastion of human rights and, and the, you know, the, the Ukrainian military are actively beating up, resting, forcing trans, you know, women who are dressed up and change themselves to be like men who into service. 
regardless of what they say that they are. I mean, it's just so funny and it's sad, really. But the point is, this is the U.S. government fighting alongside this entity while saying that anybody doing that anywhere else, including Russia, is somehow bad and we have to fight for LGBT rights, but don't care in Ukraine. It's, these people are disgusting hypocrites. They don't care about any of the things they pretend to care about. But you can look at it further here. The point is that this is a declaration to a day, really, before this all started. Now, that's kind of hard not to notice. So what was changing? What were they doing? And why were they mobilizing? Maybe it's because they were prepared for some kind of massive military action, you know, like a regime change effort. Certainly something to consider. Then, of course, on the 22nd, right before this, this is actually later, oh, excuse me, early in the morning on the 22nd, the same day. So day before this whole thing started, you saw this too. Zelensky and the United States coming out and saying, well, we feel like Putin is going to do something at the Zaporozhye power plant that he currently controls because because that because that's what he would do. He would bomb himself to blame us, right? That's about as silly as most of this has gotten. But here Saeed points out, it sounds like a false flag. I agree. NATO-backed Al-Qaeda affiliates did the same thing in Syria over and over and over, often after the Syrian army beat foreign-backed terrorists, right? Just like we're seeing in Bakhmut. They would carry out false flag chemical attacks to blame the government. Western regimes would then bomb Syria to help the terrorists. Over and over and over. That's not, that's not even debatable, guys. So this is in, uh, in uh, Ukrainian. Here's the version from the U.S. Right? So realize we're talking like the next morning. So Zelensky comes out and says, narrative. We have just, well, I'll just read this for me. It says, we've just had a report from our intelligence and security services of Ukraine. You know, the very people that we've proven repeatedly are overrun with neo-Nazis, fascists, and Nazis themselves. Intelligence has received information that Russia is considering a scenario of a terrorist attack on the power plant. You know, the one that they currently control. A terrorist attack with radiation leakage. They have prepared everything for this. Now, realize this is the third time the Ukrainian military has floated this allegation. Unfortunately, I have repeatedly had to remind that radiation has no state bound borders. Again, trying to scaremonger, saying that everybody, so we all have to act. It's kind of like NATO before NATO. And who it will hit is determined only by the wind direction. Yeah, ask these Palestinians. They're well aware. We should all, of, we share all available information with our partners, everyone in the world, all the evidence. You mean the complete lack thereof? I mean, look it up for yourself. The evidence is what he's telling you right now. That's it. Amer Europe, America, China, Brazil, India, and Arab worlds, Africa, all countries, absolutely everyone should know about this. There should never be any terrorist attacks on nuclear power plants anywhere. Well, <laughs> there's been examples you could make that this time it should not be with, bottom line is, they're going to do something. Quick, everybody mobilize. One day before this starts. And as I wrote, any, as many as are picking, many are picking up on this is prime. As if you guys don't know, this is something I've been doing for a long time. Uh, I don't think I just probably, I don't think I probably started this. I feel like I saw it from somebody else, but I often put out false flag watch, which means we don't know, you know, we don't know for sure, but keep an eye on this because this is prime for something like this to happen. So this is Sprinter pointing out American lawmakers. If Russia launches a nuclear strike on Ukraine, it will go to war with NATO. Okay. Well, how does that make sense? Is Ukraine part of NATO? Well, we all know the reality of where this was going. The massive red line that they swore would never happen is, for all intents and purposes, happened a long time ago. This is the point. That's why you can show Lindsey Graham's maniacal lunacy over in Ukraine, going, "We're our, your fight is our fight, and we're fighting for you, and long before we were told that it was supposed to be happening. Right? This is a game to these people. They're lunatics. In the resolution today, since the Senate resolution that says that if Russia or Belarus or proxy of Russia 
explodes a nuclear device inside of Ukraine to um, stop the counteroffensive. I mean, that, think about the logic there. And this is what anybody, anywhere, who has any understanding of military tactics, there is zero, there's no benefit to this. I mean, this is, on, this is like the U.S. carrying out a nuclear attack on the border of Mexico. Like, think about how ridiculously stupid that is. And, of course, their mindset is, well, because, you know, Russia, Putin's a maniac, and it's the same Assad game they play. Like, we're just supposed to take at face value. Well, he's crazy, so crazy things happen. I mean, this is actually how stupid they think we all are. And clearly they're wrong, and clearly they're beginning to realize that we're not. But think about the argument. So he's in control of this area. So he's going to bomb his own territory which would then hurt his own people, the area he claims to be fighting for, and then also Russia. To what? To stop their offensive that they're not winning? I mean, this is, it's complete lunacy. Because that's the thing, they're trying to act like they're on the verge of losing, and that's why this is happening. That's completely devoid of any fact. They're not losing, and that's why this doesn't make sense. Or to try to break the will of the Ukrainian people, such an attack should be considered an attack on NATO itself. We're of the belief that a... Now, I mean, ask yourself, why would that make sense? If they're not NATO, then why does that make sense? It's an obvious question, obvious answer. You know why. Because that's how they see this, because this is a U.S. proxy war. Nuclear weapon unleashed in Ukraine would irradiate large portions of Europe where we have NATO allies. So my concern is this is something that will be done by somebody in Ukraine to carry out this. uh, I mean, think about it like this. I mean, you don't need to even see any more of this. The bottom... Because, I mean, you guys can look at it for yourselves. Think about it like this. In Syria, we said the same thing. They came out and said, if there's a chemical attack, we know it's Assad. Wink, wink, right? They're going out and saying, do the chemical attack and we'll blame Assad. And then what do you know? That's exactly what happened. Over and over, which we have proven today. It's not even up for debate. It's very easy to see. People like from, you know, I mean, all sorts of even corporate media individuals came out and made this very clear. So think, I mean, even if you don't think that's what happened, think about this. You're now saying if this happens, we're going to basically by de facto make you part of NATO and then we will militarily act on your behalf. So why wouldn't you be Zelensky and be like, we're losing, execute a small nuclear, do something in Donbass. Blame it on Russia. And we, we won't even ask why it would make sense that Russia would do something in the area that they are fighting for. Nobody's going to care because the narrative will spin forward. And they're going to say Putin's a maniac and he hates people everywhere. It doesn't even, they don't need it to make sense because it's lunacy. But think about how alarming that is. They just put us on the doorstep of some very serious acts because these people don't care. And I'll make that clear in a second. But let's get into, you know, as you can see coming forward with this, that they're priming the conversation, Right. Right before we see this massive action, just, I mean, ask yourself the likelihood of something like that. Okay, so on the 23rd, yesterday, where this, where this began, just saying on Friday, Prigozhin, who is the prime individual here, this is the, one of the head of the, the Wagner group, or Wagner, whichever one you want to say, it says, claimed that senior Russian commanders were traitors and demanded the prosecution of defense minister Sergei uh, Shugu. I forgot to look that up, actually. We'll say Shugu and and General and General uh, Valery Gerasim, Gerasimov, the chair of the general staff. So 
this is something that you can see. There's been videos that put out, little clip that came out from him specifically. We'll get into what, what Putin said in regard to that. So this started off where this, so this seems very early on to be clear that this is, I don't know what, what you would call this other than some kind of a revolt or a coup coming out and saying, well, they're traitors and you need to prosecute the defense minister. That's a big thing to do. Now, I, I find it hard to believe you wouldn't take an action like that without some sort of backing. These are just my opinions. But an hour, it looks like less than you know, a minute later, it says he claimed that the Russian military had attacked his positions. And Prigozhin announced that forces loyal to him were moving toward the city of Rostov-on-Don. Now, it says the de- defense ministry early on denied the claim. It's interesting the way that that would happen. Then going into the 24th, we have the videos coming out, the provocation. We have his speech that came out, and, and, then, we'll, and then we'll get into what basically happened from the beginning of today forward. Now, what, this is ha- what ultimately is being shown here is that there were movements of troops, narrative being discussed. Wagner put out a video. Putin put out a video. But the actual people on the ground, the tanks in the street, and a lot of these things circulating apparently have yet to be verified or vindicated. People have not confirmed that is actually what happened there, which I find very interesting. But here is what the anti-war, anti-war.com was writing about this in regard to what went down. An armed insurrection attempt. Now, right after this, I'll get into some of my opinions about how I think this is, you know, the, the options I think are at play here. So this is from this morning. The head of Russia's Wagner private military firm, Prigozhin, has claimed to have captured a military facility in the Russian city of Rostov after the mercenary chief accused government forces of attacking his fighters in Ukraine. Let me see if I'll just really quickly. Uh... Yeah, so like there's some videos here that are purportedly of the, the, the front of the building that we're talking about with tanks on the street and people out in the front. But you can see even the community notes is saying, well, a lot of people are pointing to this, but have, nobody's proved this is actually what happened. Now, it says in a, in a uh, the, the Kremlin has denied the allegations, instead labeling the move as an armed insurrection. Right. So uh, literally, our, it's interesting terminology after what we've been talking about. Right. So our, basically arguing that this is not just a coup, but that there is actually an outside force trying to take power. In a video <clears throat> shared on Prigozhin's personal Telegram channel early on Saturday morning, he declared that his troops had taken Russia's southern military district. Rostov, insisting there were no problems and that the base was operating normally. Okay, I don't see how you could argue, unless this is completely, you know, that all of this will, I mean, the, the possibility of this is some sort of internal Russian thing. Again, I'll get to my, my thoughts in one second. I don't see how you would take this action without being very aware that this would be seen as, as revolt, insurrection, right? You don't occupy a military base without authority and act like that's not going to have repercussions. So that either means that he knew he had backing or thought he would have more support from inside, or it was all completely not real. Quote, it says, all that's being done is we are taking control to ensure assaults avia- assault aviation does not conduct strikes on us and instead on Ukrainians. So there's thought going around that if, if this is a coup that, that, and, and as you guys might have seen, it's already come to a head. It hasn't, they've already stopped. The point is that Prigozhin might have been misled. There might have been lies, which is one of the things people are considering, that he is being fed information about what Putin and Russia were going to do to them and maybe took the bait. We'll get into more of this in a second. 
He's saying that we took this base so they couldn't bomb us, basically. Military objects in Rostov are under control, including the airfield. Planes that leave for battle in Ukraine are leaving norm- uh, nominally. Normally, excuse me. Yeah, this is, that is nominally. On Friday, Prokhorin claimed a Russian missile attack on a Wagner camp had left many victims. This was yesterday. In another post, the Wagner uh, head stated, quote, there are 25,000 of us and we are going to fight, fi- figure out why chaos is happening in the country. Suggesting he would advance on Rostov, a major city in Russia's southwest, he argued his actions did not amount to a military coup. Instead, describing the move as a march for justice. So if he is being fed misinformation, thought things were happening that weren't, then maybe that's how we framed it. For those that might not know, in case it's, I mean, I guess I should have said in the beginning, but I feel like most people are aware, the Wagner Group is basically a mercenary group like a Blackwater that is being used by the Russian government. So it's very likely that this kind of a group can be infiltrated, manipulated, or completely false to begin with. Like that's like Blackwater Academy, rather, is what we would talk about it today. These These are mercenaries, that's what they are. He said Prigozhin had led an increasingly public war of words with the Russian government and military, repeatedly accusing officials of declining to supply the ammunition and gear needed to capture the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut, which they completely won. And this this last most important success they had. The town finally fell in May after months of brutal fighting. Russian authorities have rejected his charges outright, with the defense ministry stating, quote, and this, this seems to be the biggest focal point, that they, quote, do not correspond with reality while uh, deeming his claims an informational provocation. Interesting choice of words. Sounds like like an information war. On Saturday, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov and Russia's prosecutor general Igor uh, Krasnov had launched criminal proceedings against uh, Prigozhin for an attempt to organize an armed insurrection. So uh, so think about it like this, as if we know that they've already launched investigations to, to charge him with this, how it ended up is very relevant. And, and we'll get into that in a second, about if he's not being charged and nothing ultimately happens, we have to think about what that means. In a televised address, President Vladimir Putin later accused Prigozhin of betrayal of his country and people, vowing to react harshly to the uprising. The defense ministry also pleaded with Wagner troops to abandon Prigozhin's criminal gamble, claiming that they that some mercs had, quote, already understood their mistake and asked to return to their deployment areas. It added that fighters were tricked into taking part in the rebellion, but went on to guarantee everyone's safety. That's very interesting. So you see there's different ways to look at this. It could be that he was fooled or part of the, he was part of a coup, but the other people beneath him were fooled. It's very, it's just very fascinating to see how these games, this is, you know, Game of Thrones kind of stuff. In the Capitol, the National Anti-Terrorist Committee announced a counter-terrorist operation regime to prevent potential attacks. Now, this happened early. Uh, this was either last, uh, 33rd, late last night, I think, or early this morning. While some major roads and highways were closed to traffic. As part of the counter-terrorist operation around uh, Varenza, the region's governor said the military was carrying out the necessary operational and combat measures, but didn't elaborate. Several unconfirmed videos reporting to show columns of Wagner military vehicles have circulated on social media, with one clip even alleging to capture a firefight between Russian troops and Wagner forces. The footage could not be verified, but local officials in the area early observed that a convoy of military equipment was seen on the M4 highway, which links Rostov to Moscow. Government troops, including Russia's National Guard, were also said to be out in force across multiple cities with some videos showing tanks, armored personnel carrying in the streets. Now, the the defense ministry seems to be one of the arguments about the crux of this, that there's a, a, a rift between 
the Wagner Group, and specifically the defense minister. But again, all of this is just kind of up in the air. So here's where it like taking a minor step back, same day. I mean, this is still reported on the 20 yesterday. But this is where the argument, this is for me, this is one of the most important parts. What he's saying here, I think, is provably false. Easy to prove to be false. So what does this say about him in particular? So this is the Guardian from yesterday. Now it says the Wagner head, and this is where this seems to have started, arguably, that he is accusing Russia, Putin specifically, of lying about why the war started. Prigozhin has accused Moscow's leadership of lying to the public about the justifications for invading Ukraine in the latest sign of conflict between Vladimir Putin's government and one of his most important allies. Now, obviously, you could argue that <clears throat> there's other reasons they're doing things, but I, and based on what you can prove, I think it's very obvious that the things that, that Russia has put out, you know, the Nazi, the denazification, the ethnic cleansing in Donbass, I mean, these are easily proven things. Right. So those aren't lies. So if there's I mean, so I find it hard to take this. Well, the point is, it's not if there's something else that's going on, that's not necessarily a lie. It's a it's withholding. What he's saying is they lied about what this is all about. In an explosive 30 minute posted video on his Telegram channel, Prigozhin dismissed Moscow's claims that Kiev was planning to launch an offensive on the Russian controlled territories in eastern Kiev. I mean, guys, this Eva Bartlett and plenty of others. Wyatt Reed, this is easily proven. You know why? Because they literally said this was what was going to happen. The Ukrainian extremists, long before February 2022, had been continually ethnically cleansing the entire Donbass region. They're on the record saying they want to do this. Here's just one example of a journalist telling you in 2014 they need to exterminate all of these people. And I've gone through this entire clip. It is what he said. Even with fuller context, it's very specific what he is saying. От ви спитали, як так може бути? Так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте? Там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. Повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс, який треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну мене нема зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко. Але найголовніше, що треба зробити в даний момент, як це є певне є певне категорії. That's literally what he said, direct translation. That's a journalist on the record speaking about all the people in Donbass. You know, the people that the Ukrainian government and the U.S. government are screaming at you that they're fighting for. That's how ridiculous this is. Okay, so he's saying that, that Putin was lying about the things that they have been doing and told you they were going to be doing. And still, right now, are continuing to do, which is bomb in the middle of Donbass that Eva Bartlett has been there, so has Wyatt Reed, so has Patrick Lancaster. They have been the focus of directed bombing at their hotels in Donbass in the middle of civilian areas. So just so it's clear, I don't even think this is discussable. He's lying about this, or he doesn't know he's wrong. That's how I would frame this. That's interesting to me. It says there was nothing extraordinary happening on the eve of February 24th. Not true. Quote, the Ministry of Defense is trying to deceive the public and the president and spin the story 
that there is insane levels of aggression from the Ukrainian side and that they were going to attack us together with the whole NATO bloc. Now, here's what's interesting. He's not talking about Putin. He even gives him a pass right there. He says it's the Ministry of Defense, Shogu, that's how you pronounce it, basically lying to everybody about what was going to happen. So there is some seemingly some truth to the argument that that was his focal point, right? But here's the point, though, again, with the NATO, how did they, I mean, what they just said about the plant, right, about th- this whole conversation about them, well, if you attack them, you'll attack NATO. Okay, so they just made, they just proved it to you that they that the argument that that he's saying that's not true, that they were going to attack with all of NATO, they just proved he was correct. And it's not like this was their action that made it into being correct. This was already on the table, as we've proven before this ever started. I mean, look, it's not hard to prove that they wanted this to happen, that there was articles written and plans laid out about driving Russia to take action on this very day. So this, to me, screams this guy is not is is lying, which would either mean that he is, well, I should say either he's wrong or he's lying. So to me, that screams that this is a narrative being set out before this started to make it seem like he is on the side of, you know, against Russia, essentially. Shortly after Russia attacked Ukraine, Putin claimed Moscow's invasion had thwarted Ukraine's own plans for a massive attack on Donbass, which again, and Crimea, which literally continued to happen. Prigozhin said that Russia's leadership could have avoided the war by negotiating with Zelensky, which again, Three examples, if I remember correctly, they tried to negotiate and Zelensky said he wouldn't negotiate with people like them. And then, of course, that got framed as Putin killing people. You know, it's just it is childishly ridiculous how they frame this. In no way does that mean Putin good guy or Russia good guy. It simply means fact versus lie. All of them are out to control your life. So if we know that he is lying about this or in, you know, incorrect about it what does that mean for the bigger picture to me that's hugely important because it frames him as setting up the narrative that's wildly pro-west the way you're framing this that it was an unjustified invasion okay that screams regime change outside influence cia type of operation well here is what scott ritter with judge Pagliano is arguing exactly that he's saying that this has that that group has been compromised and is now working for foreign intelligence well, if Scott Ritter is saying this, this guy knows what he's talking about. So does Judge Napoleano. It's not something we should be dismissing. Here's what he had to say. A concerted effort between Wagner, the Ukrainian intelligence service, and their Western sponsors, in particular the British, to achieve uh, what they've always been looking for, which is what they call a Moscow Maidan moment. We've discussed this. The only way that Ukraine could possibly win this war is if Russia implodes. And uh, having been defeated on the battlefield, we see that, you know, kudos to them. They recruited Prigozhin. There's no doubt in my mind that Yevgeny Prigozhin is working on behalf of foreign intelligence services, carrying out their tasks, and that task is to collapse the government of uh, Vladimir Putin. I personally believe that he won't succeed, but that's what's happening this morning. Are among those uh, foreign intelligence services the CIA? Of course, the CIA is there, but I think the lead agency here is uh, is the British intelligence. I'll include this for you as a recent article by Matt Eret. That's very interesting. It's kind of exact one of the points he's poking at there. 
the British imperial hand behind Russiagate and the global governance exposed again, which shows you that it's not as simple as we tend to make it. There's a lot of moving parts and that there is a globalist entity that goes back long before the creation of the United States. But the point is, we're all being manipulated. That's what I would agree with. So the Ukrainian intelligence service, they had a series of covert cells that were being positioned in Moscow, were uncovered by the FSB, Russian security, and rounded up. It appears that these cells were supposed to be in place in Moscow so that as Prigozhin began to move towards Moscow, they would carry out a series of attacks, explosions, terrorist events that would terrorize the Russian people, reinforce the notion that Putin was an ineffective leader, and therefore people of Moscow would welcome Wagner with open arms. This is- well, that's interesting because is that something that they were aware of? Did they execute this agenda, if, that's, if this is the case, unaware that those things had been stopped? expecting to see cascading events that didn't happen. I mean, we tend to see this quite a lot lately. And if this is the case, it speaks largely to the failing power and influence of the U.S. empire, right? Feeling like they used to be able to execute these things without thinking twice, and we continue to see failed operations and clumsy efforts over and over. People are seeing through it, if that's how this went down. is a concerted effort between Wagner, the Ukrainian intelligence service, and their Western sponsors, in particular the British, to achieve what they've always been looking for, which is what they call a Moscow-Maidan moment. Kudos to them. They recruited Pogosian. There's no doubt in my mind that Evgeny Pogosian is working on... That's kind of an overlap clip right there. But so the point is, the, the Maidan moment, let's not forget what we're talking about there, right? That This is one of the important clips to understand how this all really started. And that's one of the reasons why we open with that clip of the Ukrainian general telling you the CIA, the oligarchs, the World Jewish Congress, and Kolomoisky, and all these people that have actively worked together to achieve what we're staring at today. But here is, again, from Storm's Clouds Gathering, 2014 regime change, showing you that, yes, it was done, that we know that they were involved, the U.S. government and everybody else, and they handpicked who went in. And that is the extremist that we're going to go over at the latter half of the show, showing you that this has been handpicked, and it goes back a long way, and we're watching that play out with these very same people today. What's interesting is I think the Wagner group, who has been weirdly framed, not weirdly, but it, it been framed as you know the Nazis on the Russian side, are suddenly the ones fighting the Russians? Isn't, isn't that interesting, or to some degree? Or the fact that they were momentarily like the side they were kind of fighting for on the side of the people that were 30 seconds ago saying they were all destroyed in Bakhmut? It's very, it, it's hilarious in a way how the people that want to go along with the current narrative are willing to shift literally everything they think to just go along with whatever you're supposed to think in the moment. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new 
uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened, so that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought... <laughs> Just so sad. Storm Clouds Gathering still does a great job, by the way. It's every now and again with a video, but he was so far ahead of a lot of this stuff. Oh, and one more clip, actually, from... from here's the Judge Napoleon channel if you want to check out more of it. ...on Wagner's side. According to Prigozhin, he has 25,000, but I'll tell you what, I think that's exaggerated. The number of troops that he's probably moved into Russia, numbers in the... You know, four to five thousand number. And here's the other interesting thing. In the lead up to this, you had the Ukrainians. If you remember, the Ukrainians used some Russian nationalist units backed by Ukrainian intelligence to attack into the Belgorod area, to cross the border, attack villages, and create the perception of a weak Russia. Who is the number one person coming in and saying, This proves Putin's weak, this proves Shoigu's ineffective, this proves Grasimov is incompetent? Prigozhin. And what did he say he was going to do? I will move Wagner on my own volition, he said, to Belgorod to save Russia. Many of the Wagner fighters who have gone into Belgorod were told that they're going there not to attack Putin, not to attack Shoigu, but to protect Russia from the Ukrainians. And they've arrived here and they're going, what the hell is going on here? Why are we doing this? And the Ministry of Defense is saying, telling them, lay down your weapons. I'm telling you right now, by the time this day is done, the majority of the Wagner fighters will probably have laid down their weapons voluntarily because they're Russian patriots, they're Russian heroes. They don't want to be involved in an armed insurrection against a Russian president named Vladimir. And guess what? He's right. How interesting is that? Well, before we get to that, here's what they were saying earlier today. Plotters aim to destabilize Russia. So the foreign ministry is not really mincing their words. I mean, they're saying the plotters' adventurist aspirations are aimed at destabilizing Russia, and this plays into the hands of its external enemies. They're calling this a regime change, or at least a clumsy failed effort. We warn the Western countries against the slightest attempts to use the internal situation in Russia for achieving their Russia-phobic aims. Such attempts are futile and evoke no support either in Russia or among soberly-minded political forces abroad. Now, this you could argue this is about the effort or just simply going don't you know as we already know they will and have already done if this is just an, a random organic event even though that's the case you still have efforts of people in the u.s trying to use this as any way they can for exactly that point just like in reverse i guarantee the russia russia exploits anything they can to create the, the momentum in the way they want it to go as well quote russia will continue its sovereign policy they write of ensuring its security defending its values strengthening its authority in its international arena and creating a fair multipolar world order. That's important. I think that's intentionally interesting. We appreciate the uni- the understanding of the high pr- principle position of our allies and foreign partners, which we are already feeling in full right now. Then it also interesting same today. The consequences of such reckless policy will be extremely sad, including for Washington. Russia warns Kiev against creating serious accidents. <laughs> so they're already putting on the record. You guys are setting up a false flag at Zaporozhye. Just like they've tried before, by the way, and got caught for. So there's clearly an effort to create something right now, whether Wagner's a part of that or not. I, I tend to think that's what happened. We're already seeing this happen, just like we just saw the Maidan Square, the Russian Maidan moment, like he's talking about. There are mounting calls right now for mass protests in Moscow and St. Petersburg. Come on. It's kind of obvious what's happening here, in my opinion. And a call for an end of the Ukraine, invasion of Ukraine and for Putin to step down and establish and establish democracy. It's just, it's just so, this is not, this, 
is very hollow, in my opinion. Now, there's, I, it can easily show that there's a lot of people in any country that disagree with certain policies of the government, that disagree with certain directions or certain parties. But you're not going to find, as far as I can tell, you talk to plenty of people that live in Russia, that do work from there, that aren't blinded by foreign policy of the United States. They'll tell you that that's not how most Russians see this. Most Russians are, in, you know, but again, to people that don't want to hear that, they're going to act like I'm just buying the Russian line. It's like I, I'm not buying anything. That may be the case. I based it off what we can prove and from what I can prove and people that I know that have lived there and investigated that it's not the case. I could be wrong, of course. Of course, in reverse, they wouldn't say that. They'd say, you're wrong, I'm right. <laughs> That's typically how a blind follower acts, right? The point is you can see these mounting calls for the same kind of protest that you see and, and this has already stopped. It's already over, right? So are we going to pretend that we're mounting calls for mass protest? Oh, it's over already. Too late. No, you see that Mounting calls for mass protest. That is the kind of NED, kind of U.S. aid, foreign policy regime change, even though none of those are there because Russia won't allow them because that they know they're regime change Trojan horses. The point is that they're still trying. And maybe this is just an attempt to make it happen. Maybe it's organic. Doesn't seem that way to me. Here, Amus is pointing out, according to source, whatever that means, but the point is the CIA has convinced Prigozhin to that Putin had planned to arrest him. Now, I've heard this circulating. I can't vindic prove this. Promising support if Wagner topples Putin. Right? So telling him, hey, he's going to take you out anyway. But And if you just do it for us, we'll, we'll support you. Kind of makes sense. The CIA is actively feeding him real-time intel. Right? But this is where we see all these videos that came out showing things in front of the areas. You can look at them for yourself. Showing troops outside. None of the, I mean, it seems to be pretty obviously real, but the point is, you know, with these days, it's hard to tell. Tanks out front. I honestly don't think there's any reason to feel like this isn't real. We just don't know for sure. But for me, what it shows you is that there is something that did happen. There was this action. Now, the question here, this is where it comes down to. This, this One of three things this makes the most sense to me. Oh, and then this was just showing you. Oh, yeah, that's just that just that one tweet, really. Oh, and then this is the, the guy from the New York Times, rather posting the New York Times. This guy is, you know, mainstream in general. Giving you the kind of the narrative breakdown I would think you would get from the New York Times, which would be that you can see evidence of exactly what he's saying the CIA has been trying to convince Prashogun, Prigozhin, excuse me, of thinking, which is that they've been attacking his locations. And, that, and that's what he came out and said, right? They're attacking me. They bombed multiple locations. We're taking this area to stop them from being able to bomb us. Wagner claimed his positions have been attacked, right? There's a video of an airstrike on the Wagner column and all this stuff, right? So the point is, he seems to be telling a very mainstream line. I mean, that's not that doesn't mean it's false, that this is what, you know, Wagner was attacked by Putin and he's fighting back. And okay, well, then how do you explain the way that it's just stopped? Because that's where we are at the moment, which we'll get to as we go through this, that it, right now we're at the point where it has stopped. Or I'm missing, the, I'm going, I'm missing my spot here. We'll come back to it. So it doesn't really make much sense. What we're seeing a lot of, though, is obvious examples of, of hypocrisy before we even get to the last part. Whereas Big Surge says, honestly, it's really funny watching the Ukrainian side instantly pivot from Wagner was destroyed with mass casualties in Bakhmut, which we've been hearing. It's all lies. Wagner's destroyed and Russia's about to lose. And then suddenly when that doesn't happen and Wagner seems to be positioned as somebody, at least in the narrative, to be fighting Putin. Well, guess what? It turns into Wagner's going to topple the Russian state. Like, think about how silly that is. Were they just destroyed entirely or are they about to topple the government? 
It just doesn't matter. You see, it's just whatever the narrative is for the moment. This is just a funny meme <laughs> with those people from whatever that show is. But then we also have these. This is the absurdity of what we're seeing today is where you people are suddenly like almost to the verge of going, well, maybe we should support this group. Right. Because they're fighting Russia. Well, doesn't that make my point as always? You mean the white power mercenaries fighting for Russia? That's the that's Wagner, at least the way the time was framing them. Well, suddenly the white power mercenaries that are the worst thing ever are suddenly like, maybe we should support them. They're fighting bad guy Russia. You know why that makes sense? It's the same reason that they're supporting neo-Nazis in Ukraine. The same reason they're supporting moderate rebels in Syria, because they say what they want you to believe and followers believe it. So suddenly we support Ukrainian neo-Nazis because they're not neo-Nazis anymore. You don't understand. They're fighting bad guy Russia. Russia's the real Nazis, but these white power mercenaries are the real problem. Oh, wait, they're fighting Putin? No, now they're suddenly good guys. Fight them, fight for them too. That's how silly this is. Mark my words, if this continues, you'll see them suddenly become the good guy. Well, Michael Tracy also points out, let's not forget, that Prigozhin was, was the culprit behind apparently winning the election for Donald Trump. So again, same point. So suddenly this guy is on the verge of being like we're almost supporting him, but it's the guy, like it's just, it's so, nothing is sacred to these people. But, you know, the guy who interfered by posting memes or was involved with the group that did it, you'll also find out an interesting overlap to this, by the way, that the guy that Prigozhin is involved with the company that is working to make these memes, but also overlaps with the funder of the Azov movement. We'll get there in a minute, but, you know, there's much more going on here than you realize. And it was just that article offers reward for Russian businessman accused of election interference. Okay, so some of the key points from Putin's address to this. So this is still today. He put out the speech basically pointing out some of the things about this. He's saying that Russia is today waging a grueling fight for its future, facing off against neo-Nazis and their masters. He went on to stress that essentially the entire might of the West's military, economic and information machine is being directed against the country, which I agree with. He addressed the, he, uh, Putin clearly labeled the PMC coup attempt as a betrayal. He cited enormous ambitions and personal interests of certain individuals as the reasons behind the betrayal of their country and its people. He went on to accuse those responsible without naming specifically Prigozhin of turning their back on the joint military cause in Ukraine and the memory of the fallen fighters. He says those responsible will be brought to account before the Russian people, which is interesting. That may not be the way it happens, but just kind of different than the idea of tying people to lampposts and, and, you know, sodomizing them in front of the people outside or beating them up or leaving them there to starve to death like we've seen repeatedly happen to Russian fighters in Ukraine, you know, for the democracy that Ukraine is, right? Quote, all the necessary orders have been issued to the armed forces and their authorities, he said. He, might, he added that the special anti-terrorist protocol, which we read a moment ago, had been instituted. The Russian president acknowledged the situation remains difficult. He said they'll take decisive action to stabilize the situation, concluding that the president, he promised that to do everything he could to defend the country, defend the constitutional order, and so on. Just what he basically said out loud. Now, Fiorella makes a good point about this. What would happen to Wagner, right? So as this seems to be diminishing, which is where we're at, like middle of the day, 20, today in general, it started to kind of see that there was discussions happening with Belarus. She's saying that the former head of his team, condemns the rebellious actions of the rogue chief, saying, quote, Prigozhin in his war crossed the line where common sense ends and fanaticism begins. She writes, Wagner are paid soldiers, and she doesn't see how many of them having loyalty to Prigozhin, and it seems that he has little support. Same thing Ritter said. The best thing Wagner can do is separate themselves from him and thus puts all of the troops under scrutiny, 
and they have troops in Syria and Africa, among others. As I mentioned, she mentioned earlier, Russia was getting ready to place all Wagner troops under the yoke of the MOD. And it would best and, and it would be best to do that. Of course, he refused. So it could be diminishing power. As for as Prigozhin, this is an attempt to uh, uh, attempted rebellion of grave level. In her opinion, if he makes it out alive, he'll be arrested. So where we are now, it doesn't seem I, I haven't seen any art statements of arrest. Makes me wonder. Ben Swan points out that he is reportedly was in talks earlier today with Belarusian leader, and that's where the ultimate discussion of I guess what ceasefire. It doesn't seem that actually necessarily was any firing. But Wagner's Prigozhin halts advance on Moscow earlier today. He has called off the march on Moscow. Prigozhin said it today, agreeing to a two-day mute, uh, agreeing to end a two-day mutiny after the mercenary firm claimed it seized a military base and began to advance toward the capital. He shared a brief video, a brief audio statement on social media confirming the decision, saying the PMC would return to its field camps and continue their previous operations in Ukraine according to plan? Okay, so how do you make sense of this? So what, so we no harm done? Everybody go back to their positions? That doesn't ring true to me. Now, if Wagner doesn't, or if, if specifically Prigozhin does not get arrested or nothing happens, this is where we get into what might have been going on here. Okay, so it's possible here. These are the three most likely scenarios as far as I can tell. This could have just been a good old-fashioned CIA coup attempt that was very clumsy. They overestimate their own abilities and their ability to influence people on the ground, which we saw in Syria, we saw in Afghanistan, we see over and over, where they think they can execute some plan. We see it, in, we saw actually in China as well, during those, you know, or Iran even. We keep seeing these actions where they, they think they've got influence and then it just blows up in their face. So that could be the case here, that this was an effort to drive him, and it could have been that they were seeding him false information. Maybe he thought that, that that's why this might make sense that they spoke, and he was divulged that it was be, being fed information about how he was going to be taken out, and that's not true, and they just went back to their positions and agreed the, C, the CIA was lying to them. I mean, that doesn't seem like it makes sense to me, but it could be something more than that, right? People are arguing that it could have been something that Putin allowed to happen. Maybe with the agreement of the Wagner Group. To, they saw it coming, saw through the agenda, knowing it was going to happen, let it play out to be able to suss out who in their ranks were the ones working with the CIA. Now, we're going to get the latter half of the show today is going to be all about that latter half, maybe the last 20, 30 minutes, about that exact point. Going back to Project Aerodynamic and realizing that this has been something they have been building, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, and how this is still the this is the beginnings of what we're dealing with today on the Ukrainian side, right? So understanding that these they may have ultimately been building this entity, the United States government in the Ukraine, and that the ultimate point was that they have been seeding. You'll, as we get into documents, you'll see this you know, secret entities within Russia that were, you know, coming from Ukrainian heritage, essentially. And maybe this could have been an effort to seed or to flesh these people out. It's just something that seems like a likely possibility because the way this seems to have kind of ended, it doesn't make much sense to me. Or it could have been something that he saw potentially coming and he made it happen for the same reason. But something about this seems to make sense to me based on everything we know that this was just another attempt with a failed asset to achieve some kind of end by the 
obvious powers trying to drive action from Russia. And as usual, it seems that they didn't take the bait. But the way that Prigozhin has played a role in this, it makes me wonder whether he played the United States government. Quote, they wanted to disband PMC Wagner. On June 23rd, he went on a march of justice in a day. We advance on Moscow just 200 kilometers short. <clears throat> and during this time, we did not shed a single drop of blood or our fighters. Okay, so that's one of the points people keep making. So he mobilizes on the street with military fighters and, and seemingly Putin didn't do anything. It seemed like they, they were just allowed to move along. They took these locations. There was no real pushback. That doesn't make much sense unless this was something being allowed to happen or that they were working together. His thoughts. While the full extent of the mutiny remains unclear, unverified videos making the rounds online purported to show active clashes between Wagner and Russian regulars. <clears throat> but again, these have not been confirmed. A Reuters correspondent also said they witnessed a military helicopter firing on a mercenary column driving near the city of Varenza, about halfway to Moscow from Rostov, but noted that the fighters faced little substantive resistance on the road. So think about that. Like this either speaks to a, the illusion of something happening for the purposes of ridiculous corporate media, or that some of these people thought this was happening and they were the ones being sussed out. So what happened to those people? They're in jail somewhere, right? These are just some of the possibilities. My guess would be whatever this is, if Russia was ahead of this, we're going to hear about it soon. Prigozhin's announcement soon came soon after Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko claimed to have successfully mediated talks with the paramilitary head and Putin, a close ally. Prigozhin did not mention the Belarusian leader in his own remarks, however. The statement said Prigozhin was offered, quote, an advantageous and acceptable option for resolving the situation with security guarantees for Wagner PMC fighters. It's also another possibility that they're just so powerful and have so much influence that that was something he just had to bite the bite the bullet and you know allow them to maintain power. I ultimately though it does not seem to make much sense with anything other than like there. I, my opinion there was outside action here. That's what the Russian government was saying before this and into this and after the res resolution of this. It seems to be quite clear there was somebody else trying to make something happen. The question to me is whether Putin was aware of it beforehand or not. It says, and this is just, of course, this is the Guardian now, later in the day, after they've been screaming, this is a Russian civil war, and it's all going to blow up, and Putin's losing control. And they go, well, you know, even if this fails, he, he looks super weak, doesn't he? Which really left the cat out of the bag. That's super embarrassing. So their goal, they just really want you to think, doesn't he look weak? Aren't they failing? Maybe that's all they were, I mean, that's just, that's pretty, pretty weak. But in Putin's opaque system, they write, more of an Ottoman court than a Western-style government, it's hard to tell whether this, this uh, I already forgot it, Sh uh, Shogu, Shogu, Fergosian <laughs> feud, talking about the, the battle between the two of them, essentially. But he's saying, for more than two decades, Putin has played the role of supreme arbiter-in-chief, playing off one ambitious Kremlin faction against another. Well, you mean government? Yeah, exactly. It was the old tactic of divide and rule. Yeah, well, welcome to the United States, right? We have these these stand-in people, the selection, the selection every year, the puppet in chief, and the same old people rule the same old things. It's the same game. We just have a different illusion about what we tell ourselves. Prigozhin had previously proved himself to be a loyal ally, entrusted with special state tasks, including the attempt to sabotage the 2016 election. Really, like this? Here's the Guardian just desperately going, but we weren't wrong about Russiagate. <laughs> Please believe us, despite the Durham thing we're going to show you another time. That, that's what they want you to believe. That they entrusted it with a massive effort of a few thousand dollars in Facebook posts. Massive. 
Whatever the outcome of Friday's astonishing drama, Putin looks weaker than at any other time since he became president, <laughs> apparently only to The Guardian. His decision to invade Ukraine has proved a major strategic blunder. I mean, this is just childishly incorrect. Like, you are just screaming what you want people to think. The evidence on the table is, at the very least, not one way or the other. But overall, you can see that they've been caught lying about what's really going on repeatedly. Russia is not losing this battle, and it's embarrassing to say otherwise. The biggest of his career, and one that might sooner or later force him from power. Even if the rebellion quickly fails, the shockwaves will continue for months, fueling political instability and raising questions, of, or is that what they were trying to do, right? Prigozhin's privateer army of volunteers and released convicts has proved itself to be more disciplined and able military outfit than the regular Russian army. See my point? So the most villainous, disgusting Nazis in the world, now that they're even, even like momentarily against Russia... Well, they're, no, turned out to be much more disciplined and able fighters than we other. Th- <laughs> Just think about how stupid that is. That's, that's Azov Nazis goes into fighting for freedom in one day, right? I mean, that's just sad. Anybody anywhere who's suddenly fighting the guy that they're supposed to fight, doesn't matter what they did or are still doing, they're suddenly freedom fighters because the U.S. says so. Think about how insultingly, I mean, that, that's embarrassing. The Guardian should be embarrassed. It's now vanishing from the scene and turning its attention to Russia itself. And now it's over. <laughs> In June, Ukraine started a long-awaiting counteroffensive using Western weapons and tanks. That, which, by the way, was a conspiracy theory 10 seconds ago. The goal is to seize back the land corridor connecting occupied territories in the Donbass and Crimea. Oh, occupied? You mean the completely legitimate and legal voting and referendum, which they were but, uh, illegally occupied. Like, this is supposed to be journalism. Now, you could argue that maybe there's more. The facts on the table are clear. You can't just keep yelling. No, it was fake. Okay, prove it then. What, here's hundreds of international observers that all argue that it wasn't. Are they all lying? Then prove that. The point is they just go, we disagree. And that's supposed to be more powerful than facts and evidence, apparently to anybody who wants to follow along the U.S. government. So, according to them, an occupied territory, that's false. But the Golan Heights, though, totally legitimate. <laughs> like, this is how insulting this is. Or Palestine in general. Or any of these locations. How about Syria with the U.S. government? Nope, that's not a legal occupation. <laughs> it's just so sad. This is how easy this is if you care to look through the two-party illusion and just be honest about this stuff. But a point is, they say the goal to seize back the corridor and, uh, and, and of course, and the Zaporozhye power pro- pro- provinces, where that's the power plant is. Progress has been slow. The Russian military has minefields, constructed anti-tank trenches, and used its air and artillery superiority to slow down Ukraine advances. Yeah, wartime. Some observers were beginning to wonder if the war was heading towards stalemate, with the existing 600-mile front line as a new border. <laughs> Explain for me how it can go from we're just about to win to somehow we're stuck at a stalemate. Their narrative changes mid-article, depending on what they're trying to lie to you about. Prigozhin's high-stakes power grab changes these calculations. It would be foolish to dismiss the Russian military. You mean the one that was failing and about to completely collapse, that was turning on Russia? What? (laughs) But the chances of the Ukrainian breakthrough this summer have risen dramatically. If Russian frontline morale collapses and soldiers are unwilling to fight, ground could be seized quickly. Okay, so now what you're saying is that this is in the benefit of the war and that Ukraine might capitalize on what happened? So why wouldn't we ask whether this was an intentional action to justify what the U.S. government... Because you're not supposed to. Putin's dream of capturing the entire Ukraine 
Oh, is that his dream? <laughs> yeah, because wink, wink, when he says, I don't want to do that, what he really wink, wink means is, I want to take over the world. Didn't you know? That's, that's classic Russian double talk for, I don't want means I will do what, this is so stupid. Now, of course, could he be doing that? Well, yeah, he could be doing anything. It's all certainly possible. What has he said he was going to do and what has he done? Neither of that. Or that didn't make sense. Has he captured all of Ukraine? Well, no. He never said he was going to. Never was even on the table. There's been plenty of other opportunities that could have been seized. Nope, didn't happen. So you could argue he was going to, but we don't know that. But somehow the government just knows. Because wink, wink, that's what we were going to tell him to do. It's just stupid. So the journalists of the corporate media are saying his dream, because apparently they know what Putin dreams about, is capturing all of Ukraine. And reuniting it with Russia has not come to pass. It has turned out to be a dictator's fantasy. The product of poor intelligence, messianic thinking, and Putin's extreme isolation during COVID pandemic. <laughs> Victory over Kiev seems farther away than ever. God, that, it's just sad that these people are just like, that's just wishful thinking on the extreme. Well, Wagner chief says he is turning our columns around from March toward Moscow. It is officially over. And as Wyatt Reed points out, the very real Russian civil war is officially over. Thanks to all the Western experts for playing along. I mean, look, they literally made a Russian civil war of 2023. Guys, you, that is organiza that's organization. This immediately popped up because this is the framing. Wikipedia, all the media. So clearly, if you have any discernment, I think it's very clear this was something that was tried and it didn't pan out. Sort of like January 6th is still an armed insurrection that was going to overthrow the country. Well, no, no, that didn't even remotely happen. But clearly that's what you wanted to happen. And you went for it anyway, right? That's what we're staring at here. I think that's very, very clear. Now, here's what we're seeing today or further into today. Oh, look, U.S. and allies are, are, are keen not to take sides in the weather. Oh, really? How can you even try to make that argument? Every single thing you've been doing the entire time has been aimed at trying to divide, undermine, destabilize Russia at every possible turn. And the moment when you see an obvious opportunity, when nobody would even begrudge you because it's war, you go, we don't want to take sides. We're going to stand back and just let it play out. What does that tell me? The exact opposite. No, that's my opinion. But this is like the person coming out and going, I'm not doing this. You see, you see me over here? I'm not involved in this, everybody. I'm not doing what you see over there. You, that, well, nobody even asked you, man. Well, just so we're clear, it's not me. <laughs> what does that tell you? Probably that person, right? That's, that's just silly, ridiculous, clumsy kind of act. Well, here they are. We're super keen not to even get involved in the thing that we're obviously involved in. Well, here's the article. They changed the title, as they always do. Western officials said their overriding priority was to make clear that they weren't involved in the unfolding clash between Russia and Wagner. We're not involved. That's their overriding priorities to make sure you know that we're not involved, everybody. Why do you even need to say that? Other than this statement, why would we, you know, my point is, other than just asking, could they be involved? Where, why would people assume that? It's a Wagner group and Russia and an internal fight. Because there's obviously something going on here. Quote, the United States has no intention of involving itself in this matter. Why would that even be on the table? So a mercenary group inside of Russia battles against Russia, like, and nothing even happened. This is like Blackwater 
having a verbal debate and then occupying a building for one day and then Russia going, we have nothing to do with this and we're not going to get involved. We're not going to step in. Everyone's going to be like, well, that's weird. Are you involved? (laughs) Right? I mean, it just seems really silly. French President Emmanuel Macron has said publicly that the West isn't seeking regime change. (laughs) Who was asking? Who Who was even talking about regime change before you brought it up, Macron? The White House, too, has repeatedly said that the U.S.'s goal is, to, is not, it wasn't, to force Putin from power. You believe that? We, tr- trust us, guys. We are not. Let me repeat. It is not our purpose to remove Putin from power. Biden says Putin, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we forget that that was said months ago? Apparently, they don't care that you're smart enough to see this. The White House says we repeatedly stress that we don't want to remove Putin from power. Here he is six months ago saying we can't let this person remain in power. Like, can we all just laugh at how ridiculous these people are on all sides, by the way? Here is Chuck Grassley. Putin is an imperialist who must be stopped. Now he will become more dangerous. But we don't want to remove a power. We're not. We don't. We, don't, we, don't, we never suffered to remove power, right? We're not going to do that. Here, Zelensky says he's a terrorist. We have to expel him from the UN and remove him from power. But we don't want to remove him from power. Who would? You no. Know, all we want to do is murder him. Lindsey Graham says we got to take him out. We got to assassinate this guy. But but just so it's clear, in case you missed it, we don't want to remove him from power. That'd be crazy. I mean, guys, this is sad. This is the Wall Street Journal, The Guardian. Not that you guys are have any illusions about what these groups actually are, but just think about how embarrassing this is. This is the highest level of journalism, and they're just, I mean, it's not that tough to go, let me just search real quick for that exact statement. Has the White House ever said? Yep, they have many, many times. That person can't be in power. And now because they don't want you to think, hey, we're not involved in regime change, They just state the opposite because that's very sad. Here is a a video of, uh, I believe this was, uh, was again, oh, the professor um, uh, Lumumba saying something I think we all kind of know. Because I'm older, I want you to avoid those mistakes. But you must, as an individual, if you're in a position of leadership, be mentally agile to know when you are being misled. Because the president of Ukraine, in my view, was an actor, and he acted as a president. And many times when I listen to him, he still thinks he's acting, which is tragic because he's now acting, but real people are dying. Real people are dying. Ukraine has become a theater, in my view, where NATO is testing its weapons and immunizing him from listening to people who would guide him to stop that war. If he stopped listening, if he stopped listening to NATO and the Joe Bidens of this world, let me tell you that war would end in a month. I agree. But they're encouraging. They are telling him, go on, we are going to supply you with F-16s and drones and all these things. So it is incumbent upon any person in position, in a position of leadership, to determine what kind of advice you receive. As well as the fact that they just said, well, if anybody carries out a nuclear bomb attack, we're going to blame Putin. So go ahead and do what you want. 
And, and are we going to pretend that they didn't just basically carry out a threat against the Zaporozhye power plant and saying Putin's going to do that nuclear stuff and radiation as they're literally going, they're going to care. We have to be aware of how concerning that is. Well, I think it's pretty clear that there's an obvious problem here when it comes to the story about what's going on here. I think it's to me makes most sense that this is going back to that original article where he's the one lying. I think provably lying about why this was started, about why they why the justification for the war in general. And of course, now the way it played out, though, assuming we have, so if you guys see something developing now, let me know. If this person had just went back to work and nothing even happened, he hasn't been arrested, well, that would scream to me that he was involved. Or at the very least, they came to an agreement that somehow Putin was able to overlook his actions. But either way, it seems pretty clear that that indicates the U.S. government and foreign Western powers, exactly like Ritter and other people are pointing out in driving this action, which seems to have fallen flat on its face like many of their recent efforts. Well, let's not forget about how important this is to prove, guys. Here is the article I've shown many times. Not just Azov, the Azov movement, but documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. Now, I wanted to do this for the last half hour today and go through this document like I've done before, but I haven't. I've only done once, I believe. So in depth to show you, because I often just point at it. And I say, here's the document. Here's what, it, here's what it says. But let's go through and show you what it actually says. And so this perfectly opens the door or uh, broadens the conversation to what we were just talking about to understand this started a long time ago now this document's from 1966 right what was that nixon or what was it in 66 the point is that ultimately this went way 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 all the way up to 2007 by the way this exact project so what it ultimately is is about creating a fascist entity to use to destabilize and seed their propaganda narratives and operations into ukraine russia and the united states using known, verifiable Nazi war criminals and using the people that they were working with to build this entity, which completely has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, right? (laughs) That'd be a pretty hard thing to wrap your mind around. You're building neo-Nazis and actual Nazis, and it has nothing to do with the Nazi element we see today. Come on. It's obvious this is the same thing. And the point is, though, these groups are being used And I think it's always been an effort to justify what they were going to try to blame on Russia. And that's where this Wagner overlap comes in. They've been calling the Wagner group the the Nazis and white power elements. And now suddenly Wagner starts at least beginning to push back against Russia. And the U.S. government all seems to come out and like, it's very strange the way that played out. Now, the way Wagner goes forward, well, that will say a lot. But either way you look at it, it shows you that there's nothing really sacred around this. The Nazis are your best friends the moment they fight the guy you don't like. And that's always been the kind of ideology from the U.S. government. Working with the worst of the worst to throw at your bad guy enemies, how they perceive it. Well, here's what this document actually says. Project Aerodynamic. It represents their division's only organized contact within a non-Russian people. So this is, this is basically in Ukraine under the Soviet Union. Right where they were, they they were in the uh, got the outward narrative of the U.S. government. They were fighting communism. All right, so they have this group where they were working with whoever they could to create the entities they would use to destabilize and manipulate from within the Soviet Union, but also to seed their information and get assets on the inside. It says through, and this is specifically through what the, this is called then the ZPUHVR. 
foreign representation of the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council, which, again, well, I'll show you very clearly in a second, which is the part of the organization. Well, I think I have it right here, actually. Yeah, the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council, which is the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, the, U, the O-U-N. That's important because that is the group we're talking about today. The promise, that's where their symbols come from. And I'll show you this as we go through it today, which I've already done before. Oh, it's interesting. His name pops up in a second. He's an asset, which is somebody you wouldn't, who worked with uh, Radio Free Ukraine, <laughs> one of these classic groups. There's so many parts that show you this ties right back to a U.S. government operation. It's crazy. And this guy is an asset from this exact project. I'll show it to you in the documentation. But anyway, so that, this is this group. That is their, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. And here is the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. Radical nationalist right-wing groups. The, the OUN was the largest and one of the most important far-right Ukrainian organizations. Who's their leader? Stepan Bandera, a Nazi criminal. Its ideology has been described as having been influenced by the writings of uh, Donstov from 1929, the Italian fascism, and of course by 1930 German and German Nazism. Members of the OUN took an active part in the Holocaust in Ukraine and Poland. So pretty not hard to see. Oh, and by the way, the, the thing that they're all screaming today, including U.S. politicians, Slava Ukraine, that's what that comes from. A Nazi slogan for honoring their, you know, this is, that's what it comes from. I mean, that's, it, this is, it's a fascist term. And then, of course, Stefan Bandera, in case you didn't know, the, was a Ukrainian far-right leader of the radical militant wing of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists. It's not hard to understand how this all overlaps. We'll come back to Michael Lebed in a second. So, just understand, again, the ZPUHVR, just as I just showed you, is the OUN, the same group, or there's different parts. The, the group of the anti-Soviet Ukrainian immigrants is what we're talking about. So, the I'm just going to say the OUN for simplification. The OUN contacts with Soviet Ukrainians are being exploited. This is the CIA writing this in 1966. Exploited, basically. So they're talking about the basically Soviet Ukrainians that are in the Soviet Union, but with the time was Ukraine, but also in Russia, that are being exploited to, to see their own agenda. Intelligence on the USSR will be gathered to satisfy United States needs. Now, this is not this isn't as important as the other stuff, but it's just simply showing you that they were very clearly using average people to be able to achieve their own ends, often at the expense of these average people that in no matter what country we're talking about would be charged as treason. Right. These are average people. Now, the the O.U.N. through the Prologue Research and Publishing Association, Inc. in New York. This cut. This is a real. Uh, I mean, oh, I hope I didn't close that. Actually, hold on one sec. I had it open, then I forgot I closed it. I wanted to look up prologue. Let's see if it pops up. I think that was it. Shoot. Well, the point was, I just wanted to show you that company. Oh, that it right there. No, these are newer ones. Well, anyway, we'll go through it. The point is, as I've told you many times, Prologue is a publishing company that was in New York and Ukraine. So think about the idea that they used, which I'll show you next, a war, a Nazi war criminal, not a neo-Nazi, but a Nazi war criminal, Michael Lebed, to run this company in New York and seed their propaganda into New York hands, into American citizens and Ukraine. 
It's saying that they threw the prologue company, the cover organization established to conduct its clandestine activity, contributes to Ukrainian nationalist ferment. Okay, so right out of the gate, you can see the whole point was building the Ukrainian nationalist mindset. What else do you call what we're talking about in Ukraine today? Now, that just, just being a nationalist does not mean you're a Nazi or not even an extremist, but that is what they were driving. They wanted these people to get angry and to have this kind of mindset so they could be used and mobilized. Their documentation makes it clear. Exploiting existing and encouraging new deviationist tendencies among Soviet Ukrainians. They're trying to create the division, the protest, the people that are willing to stand up and even think that they're doing it of their, of their own accord. Think all the locations we talk about, whether China or Taiwan or, or Syria or Iran, we've seen these opera, these organized efforts. The OUN is a small, tightly knit group of individuals who were sent from the Ukraine in 1945 by the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council to make contact with Western intelligence and the representatives and to act in behalf of the homeland. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So in 1945, this tight-knit group reached out to them, or at least that's how they write it down, in order to achieve these ends. So from the impetus, this was an operation. There were four individuals that sent from Ukraine, and they co-opted a small number of other members when they arrived in the West. And just again, so you can see, this is from 2007. Or excuse me, this was, that's stamped. Oh, that's the wrong, oh, I didn't even notice that, actually. Look at that. So they released this in 2007. Let me, cut that. Let me take that back then on the other document. I thought that's what this was, but I guess that looks like the stamp that was released in 2007. I want to find out when this date was then. I'll come back to it. Interesting. So going forward in the same document, page two. Project Aerodynamic operates through the Prologue Research and Publishing Association, which was established in 1953 in order to conduct the clandestine activities of the ZPUHVR or the OUN, Mr. Mykola Lebed was appointed president of Prologue and became the principal agent for Project Aerodynamic. He is one of the six individuals of the group who is witting of CIA support. He is not officially listed on the payroll of the Munich office, so they have a Germany office. So what's interesting to me is this shows you a tie back. Like You could begin to argue that this goes even further back to the idea that there was high-level you know, maybe supranational support on both sides of the of the World War II. And we can, you can prove this stuff, that there was CIA involvement with both, like even the concept of eugenics and where that really originated and how we got kind of championed in Germany. And then when it became very problematic, they all acted like they weren't involved. This is an, an, a bigger problem. So when you've got this payroll of the Munich office seemingly working with Nazi war criminals in, in what, 1960? That's, a, that's interesting, isn't it? Or rather, go even further back, talking about 1940. This, so this would have been a time when Germany was very on the surface, like averse to working with any Nazi op, and yet they have a Germany office working with a Nazi war criminal. Want to explain that for me? But it's paid through a special account listed on the accounting books of Prologue. Doctor, uh, these different people involved, the vice president, the, the board of directors. Basically saying there's some people that know what's going on and not, and they've been trained by the CIA to act as the prologue operations officer for Project Aerodynamic. Now it's saying this one individual, that's just the name for one of them you can see right here, let's call it 29, organized a net of collaborators throughout Western Europe and the United States to engage in contact operations against 
Soviet citizens traveling in the West and in mailing operations. So now you're mobilizing people, some of which don't even realize, I think this was one of them, that doesn't aware that they're working for the CIA, who are out there collaborating, basically setting up people in Western Europe and the United States. Like you see, this is a, this is a CIA operation. Now think about this, how much, if this is happening then, imagine what this is like today. It's probably everywhere with digital assets. My God. And what, is that, what happens when these people get caught up in all of this? They don't care. CIA drops you and runs and you get caught with the problem. Project Aerodynamic originated in Munich, Germany, when it began in the 1950s. Now, explain that for me. How are you going to make sense of not of Germany working on a group that is the whole point is about utilizing Nazis and neo-Nazis to manipulate? I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. That shows me that it was never about the narrative they're putting out publicly. Agencies chose to work with the OUN because it is the most operationally reliable and politically most acceptable. So again, this is who we're talking about. The council was formed in 1944. They united the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists and the Ukrainian Insurgent Army. Right? These groups are exactly what you think. Their leader was literally Stefan Bandera. Okay, so if we know that, and we're literally pointing this out, the po- they, they're going, this group run by Nazis is the most politically acceptable. It's kind of hard to see what that shows you. However, many members of the old movement, plus many young supporters are alive today, and the feeling of nationalism is still very much alive. The OUN has provided realistic, proved realistic in its approach to operational matters and its propaganda activity. And there has developed a relationship of mutual respect and trust. Oh, good. Working really tight-knit with those Nazis. The importance of this group to the agency, to the CIA, is that it represents a channel of political force into the Ukrainian immigration all over the world. So this is the beginnings of an outline where they were seeding this problem all over the world. Do you remember where that, you know, why that begins to make more sense? When we understand... That as we've shown you many, many times, that they have made this clear that this group has gone international, right? Where was it? Right here. But the expert on this, and this is right January before this even started, the month before this all kicked off. Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right. No, oh, just lost it again. There it is. The point is that the movement has gone international, multiple fronts. Germany, as we just saw, right? So the same organization still happening. So it doesn't seem Germany was ever really trying to stop this. America's rise above movement, Italy. Okay. So what we see is that they have been Ukraine immigrants all over the world. They're seeding this operation all over the world that has seemed to have never stopped. The publications of the group are used for dissemination of pro-Western ideologies and anti-communist material. Pumping out this nonsense and garbage, even if you agree with that stated sentence right there, they are pumping out things that are, it is propaganda. And they are pumping this out in New York, in Ukraine, all over the world under the guise of, and of course, if you stand up and go fake news, that's the CIA, you get called a lunatic, lunatic conspiracy theorist. The publications of the OUN serve to keep the group alive as a political force. Yep, just like it is today. 
goes on to say, there is no other organization which could be employed to attain the same objectives. There are no other CIA operations or activities aimed at the same objectives. The premises of Prologue, the company, the, the media company, are located in a large residential apartment building in New York. You know why? So that surveillance of the premises would be more difficult than if the offices were located in a private building. Oh, good. So they want to use you civilians as cover. See who these people are? They know, well, we want to put you in front of us so you basically work as a human shield. So if something were to happen, because look, this is a target, whether for surveillance or something more severe. If people find out this is a CIA operation, will you suddenly end that a building? That, this is not, that's not supposed to, and just so we're clear, guys, the CIA is not supposed to operate in the United States. That's a crime. Clearly, they care, don't they? Obviously, that has never been something that stopped them. The CIA is an a, a above-the-law agency and always has been. The cover activity of the group is such as to provide plausible cover for its clandestine activities. Right. So they're breaking the law, and they just pretend they're a media company. So ask yourself about all the other media companies out there. That today, you'd be ashamed. How dare you suggest we would be doing... It's probably everywhere. Its members have been attacked for being lackeys of the Western intelligence organizations. See my point? Recently, a visiting Soviet citizen, 1966, has even said he knew Prologue was supported by the CIA. And what they do? They called him a, a, a conspiracy theorist. You're a racist. How dare you suggest just because we're Ukrainians that we work with... Same thing today. So they're pointing out that we saw it. People saw it. They knew we were lying, and we just lied and continued lying. Headquarters exercise of authority, it says pertinent CIA propaganda guidelines and U.S. government policies and ideas for propaganda plays developed in the division are discussed with the principal agent by the project case officer. The majority responsibility for flexible operations decisions and for the allocation of funds. Finally, it says funding. President, uh, pr present project aerodynamic is funded through blank in the following manner. A request for advance of funds is made quarterly and it just it goes on to make, you know, well, Chemical Bank of New York, by the way, is the one they use to go through. Very, very interesting to me. Michael LeBed, the guy who ran Prologue for the CIA, for the U.S. government, tried and convicted and imprisoned for the murder of a Polish interior minister in 1934. He only escaped when the Germans invaded Poland. I wonder how that works out. <laughs> so the Germans invade and they let you go because you're on their side or you because you're fighting. I mean, obviously, it, the history is not, it's pretty clear. He, Michael Lebed was also a leader of the OUN. In 1949, he immigrated to the United States and lived in New York through Prologue Research Corporation, his CIA-funded organization. It's funny how it's in Wikipedia, but when, you know, not that long ago, that's not even supposed to be real. Like when they, this is in 2007, when they dumped all this out and admitted it. And everybody wrote about it. Oh my gosh, how they, how they protected Nazi murderers. Weird how it doesn't matter when it's just long enough away from what's going on. The CIA project name for operation was Aerodynamic. Funny how people still say, say fake news when you talk about it on Twitter. The report stated that as late as 1991, the CIA, for fear of compromising the operations and triggering outrage within the Ukrainian immigrant community, shielded Lebed from prosecution for war crimes by preventing the United States Department of Justice's Office of Special Investigations from learning about his wartime connections to the Nazis. Of course, he died without prosecution in 1998 along with all the other Nazi war criminals that your government has used and helped avoid prosecution. Not, not, not a surprise. Well, here's another document. Now, this one is later, later than 1966, and I don't remember, 
I, oh, here it is, 1974. Perfect. So here's what it says going forward. So this is almost a decade later. This is just Project Yard Dynamic, is the only agency project targeted against a non-Russian nationality of the Soviet Union. It seeks to exploit and increase nationalist and other dissident tendencies in the Ukraine and thereby exert pressure on the Soviet regime. So let's put these together. They're utilizing very dangerous people in order to just do what they can to destabilize Russia. Do you think that's different today? You'd be pretty naive to think that. The OUN collaborators have made frequent contacts inside the USSR, which have resulted in the exfiltration and clandestine uh, literature. That's another one of these other media companies, as well as positive and operational intelligence. The OUN other regular publications are, and they list them all off, one of them being the Ukrainian Independent. And then it says down here, the OUNs, which is just their, their abroad paper, the Organization for Internationals Abroad, which is partially supported by the CIA through this group. Oh, wait, where was that? I guess we'll come back to it. The point, though. Oh, it's right here. The Ukrainian Independent Information Agency. Well, we've seen this all over the place today. That's what this, that's what this group is. And guess what? You won't be surprised to find out. It's part of the one plus one media group related to Kolomoisky. <gasps> Shocker. Right. Okay. So the group that they're pointing out all the way back then in 1974 is a group that was created by the CIA. Okay. So this in this media organization was one of the, like prologue was a fake cutout of the CIA in order to achieve their ends. And right now, today, we are being fed information from this group about what's going on in Ukraine. And the person who runs that group is Kolomoisky, who was the, one of the heads of the World Jewish Congress at one point, who is now, or it was and still is, the primary backer of the Azov movement, as well as the primary chief financial support of Zelensky's political campaign. I mean, how, much, how many connections do we truly need to see that this is all a CIA operation? It's, it's painfully obvious to me. Going forward, it says, uh, it says the, U, the OUN has collaborated with CIA in clandestine operations since 1949. So you can see they're even admitting to long before 1953 or 48, or no, technically that would before, so be one year after. During the early years of the association, they reestablished communications with resistant forces in the Ukraine. So right there, they're making it clear that this was not just about seeding propaganda. They were already setting up resistance forces in Ukraine, and that's what we're dealing with today. The CIA direction and financial support, Prologue Research and Public Association was established in 1953 in New York to conduct the clandestine activities of this group. From 1954, when most organized internal opposition to Soviet rule had been suppressed, operational activity concentrated on propaganda and contact operations. In its distribution of anti-Soviet propaganda, Prolog has utilized the services of numerous Ukrainian immigrants in various countries who are sympathetic to the Ukrainian nationalists. Last part, it says, in accordance with instructions to discontinue publishing activities in the United States, the Prolog Research and Publishing Association was dissolved in 1968. The mechanism was reconstituted as the Prolog Research Corporation, so it didn't go away, a profit-making commercial enterprise. 
ostensibly servicing contacts for private individuals and institutions. The project's publications now originate from the Munich office, coming from Germany yet again, the Ukrainian Society for Studies Abroad, which, by the way, as far as I can tell, this company still operates today. But of course, it'd be fake news to say it's working for the CIA, because that'd be crazy. During the past several years, they also have looked for younger, more aggressive people to replace retiring staff members. So in 1974, the CIA is going, we need younger, more aggressive people. So we're tapping into our nationalist, fascist, borderline neo-Nazi and Nazi pool here. And we're looking for the most aggressive, younger versions. Take a look at Ukraine today. And that's the result. To date, only one such person has joined Prologue. Roman Kapuczynski. Right. Who, by the way, was director of Radio Liberty in Ukraine. You know, that classic propaganda platform, Radio Free Europe, Radio Free Liberty. Yeah, exactly. And we can prove on the record that his name is listed in a CIA document for working with a CIA operation that was head by a Nazi war criminal. And this guy is on the record as running what is supposed to be a legitimate news operation today, or specifically 2010. You see how very, very obvious all this is? And this, it, this is on Wikipedia, for crying out loud. Roman Kapczynski has received covert training and has become an effective and valuable assistant to Kaminsky. So this is a CIA operation, guys. It's not hard to see. Here is in 2010, The Independent writing about this, how the CIA protected Nazi murderers. Weird how this they would argue this is fake news today. Declassified CIA files have revealed the U.S. intelligence officials went to great lengths to protect Ukrainian fascist leaders and suspected Nazi collaborators from World War II and used them to stir up trouble in the Soviet Union from an office in New York. Are you kidding? Mykola Lebed. How, how are we, I mean, this is how frustrating this is. We live in a world where this stuff is that easy to prove. Now, I'm not saying that this stuff was even, the point is when this comes to a conversation in a mainstream setting, this stuff is balked at. Like it's somehow fake news, even though we can literally prove it. And they've even previously written about it. So if we know this is the case, and we know that you can tie from this very person and this very group to groups that are currently right now propagandizing and groups that are right now carrying out violent acts, What's to debate? See, the point is they'll just dispute the things that they're not supposed to point at. It says Nazi hunters and lawmakers have long raised questions about the U.S. government's involvement with war criminals during the Cold War between 1945 and 55 alone. More than 500 scientists and other specialists with Nazi ties were brought to the U.S. and went on to play major roles in such fields as missile development and space program. Yeah, it's called Operation Paperclip. Also called a fake news story if you listen to people on Twitter. The point is this stuff is ab- like abundantly easy to prove. It's everywhere. And yet somehow we're not supposed to acknowledge what the Ukrainian neo-Nazis and Nazi elements are in real time. Here's the Jerusalem Post pointing out the same report in 2010. Again, Kolomoisky is important to understand here. He is, One Plus One Media is the group that not only funded, or specifically Kolomoisky funded Zelensky's campaign, the One Plus One Media group was where Zelensky worked before that, right? 
and he ran and the entire group that worked with the entire, but most of the people that worked with him at the news station or the media group became his cabinet. You think I'm lying about that? Look it up. It's easy to prove. So explain for me, instead of politicians and policymakers, why this real organization would use people that ran a TV station. That is almost comical. And Kolomoisky just so happens to be the chief financier of the Azov movement. You know, the open neo-Nazi group. That, that's not true because Zelensky's Jewish. Well, so is Kolomoisky. <laughs> it's obvious that there's more going on here. So to finish today, I think it's important. Get all this closed real quick. To show some important stuff. Now, what's what's first important, like as we're talking about this, this is 2010, right? Where they're reporting about what was going on, the ties back to this discussion, 2010. Well, what was happening at that time? This is 2011. Svoboda Party, the new phenomenon on the Ukrainian right-wing scene. Well, exactly what you would think. They were saying these people are dangerous. There's Nazis and extremists, and they're causing this to go all over the world. Why? Because I genuinely think they wanted that to be the narrative because they were going to try to blame it on Russia, which has now imploded in front of them, which may be why Wagner Group kind of decided to do something. I don't know. But either way, you can you could prove that in real time they were actively working with these groups, funding them, supporting them, and very clear while simultaneously their media was going, bad guys. Here's the Wikipedia. Or excuse me, WikiLeaks. That's, that's insulting to WikiLeaks. November 2008. Ukrainians' main extremist groups. You can read through this. It's the same thing you would expect. A lot of the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, the same organizations. Here's the human rights in Ukraine. It's coming from Ukraine. From the portal of Kharkiv. Gangs of skinheads in the Crimea and six other Ukrainian cities. Which, the moment Russia invaded, it was all fake news. Well, of course, you go to today... It's not hard to prove. As I wrote, January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA-grown Azov Battalion. It's pretty hard to miss. And of course, we've got these absurd, like, clumsy, comical versions of apparently Nazis today that are saluting outside of buildings for nobody, apparently. Like, this, this you know, I'm not saying we know these. I, I guarantee some of these people are probably real. But this feels aggr- aggressively clumsy. They want you to see this. There's Nazis everywhere while they're actively funding the largest entity in the world. To finish, let's not forget the overlap to the group that is acting like they're fighting this. Robert F. Kennedy points out in March 2022, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett traveled to Moscow to mediate between Putin and Zelensky. He extracted significant concessions from Putin. But then he said the U.S. blocked any deal. War was the plan all along. I agree with that. And I would also be willing to argue that it wasn't the U.S. only that made that decision. You know why? Because we can prove to you that the Israeli government has been arming and funding and working with this same entity from the beginning. Just like you can prove that they were arming and funding the terrorists in Syria and patching them up in the Golan Heights. There was even articles written by the Israeli media about that. The same extremists that they're trying to pretend they're fighting. Well, aren't rights groups in 2018... We're writing about this, demanding Israel stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. How do you even make sense of that? And of course, we're talking about the Azov militia. Well, it's the same way you make sense of Kolomoisky, who is the head of the Jewish Congress, who is funding the most the largest neo-Nazi element in the world and backing the president who later ran it. It's not hard to understand. It's just that we get lied to about what, what they're really fighting for. It's why we have the entities that are telling you 
me see if I still have this, actually. I think I already lost it. The many different videos we've shown you where pe- the Jewish Orthodox community is telling you that, that Zionism is not Judaism and that we're being lied to, that they're using this to achieve their ends. And yes, I completely agree with that. Here, RT points this out. Uh, well, first of all, Slow News Day points out Zionists and Nazis have a way more connected history than most people want to acknowledge. Thankfully, there's people like Israel's ambassador to Ukraine to keep this essential history alive. Here's what she is. What? Uh, oh, I'm uh, suddenly blanking her name. Rachel. Shoot. I love her work, by the way. I'm just blanking her name. Uh, it writes, the Israeli ambassador to Ukraine has attempted to justify Kiev's support for Stefan Bandera. You know, the guy we just showed you, the. Nazi collaborator who was responsible for killing Jewish, Russian, and Polish civilians during World War II. Here's what he says. Israeli ambassador to Ukraine has attempted to justify Kiev's support for Stepan Bandera, saying that the Nazi collaborator who was responsible for killing Jewish, Russian, and Polish civilians during World War II is a source of inspiration for the country during tough times. Our view of such personalities as Bandera is very different from the view of most Ukrainians. Indeed, these people supported Nazi ideology. As part of their struggle for the independence of Ukraine, they wanted to see Ukraine without Jews, as well as without Poles, communists and many more. But Ukraine is experiencing a colossal tragedy today. It's been attacked, aggressed, and Ukraine is in search of its heroes. Right, right. So you just misunderstand it. They just need something to rely on or somebody to believe in. Right. So so Roger Waters can carry out an, a, an act that is easy to look up that had nothing to do with supporting anything Nazi related. And it doesn't even matter what he says. He's a Nazi forever. <laughs> but these guys can quite literally use Nazi salutes, use Nazi symbols and believe in a Nazi historical character. But, yeah, you just don't really understand it properly. Rachel Blevins. Thank you. I really enjoy your work. I mean, it's, it's, this is the kind of hypocrisy we've been demonstrating this entire show. It's painfully stupid. Like these, that my point is that people doing this, they know what they're doing. There's no way you can't feel that absurd contradiction. It's either that you just don't want to be proven wrong or you have something else going on. But the bottom line is you can't pretend like one is acceptable and one is not when you're literally making one up and one is slapping you in the face. We don't like these heroes, but for most Ukrainians, they are heroes who fought for independence. Right, so, so, they, so they're Nazis. We, they know that. But because they fought for their independence, it's okay to support them. You see, you're, you're just confused, you American. You don't understand the nuance. Funny how nuance only exists when you want it to. Stepan Bandera led the organization of Ukrainian nationalists, which uh-huh. advocated for ethnic nationalism targeting Jews. Bandera right. and his followers collaborated with Nazi Germany in exchange for support for Ukraine's independence during World War II. Russian President Vladimir Putin claimed that neo-Nazi support in Ukraine was one of the reasons for launching the military offensive against the country. Since childhood, I have always had many Jewish friends. They say Zelensky is not a Jew. He's a disgrace of Jews. Bandera and his accomplices are the ones considered heroes of Ukraine today. They are those who today's Ukrainian authorities are defending, both individually and in their ideology. How can we not fight against this? Russia is the country that suffered the most from this. We will never forgive this. If this is not neo-Nazism, then what is it? Right. Regardless of what you think about what he's saying, you cannot deny the truth of what you can see. They are doing that. 
So all if all it comes down to is because Putin says it that you're supposed to ignore it, you are completely lost in the two-party paradigm and going along with political team sport politics. Because the truth is obvious. It's like saying that the, you want the country to burn down because Trump's in charge. You're an infant if you think like that. I mean, that's crazy, and it has nothing to do with the truth or what's in people's best interest. We have the right to consider that our target to denazify Ukraine is one of our key objectives. Journalist and writer Nabojja Malic believes that Israel's reversal of its stance on anti-Semitism is unprecedented. I'm absolutely appalled to hear uh, Ambassador Brodsky say this. This is, this is um, unprecedented. I think Israel has in the past uh, always objected to any country in Europe uh, glorifying its World War II collaborators with Hitler's Germany, no matter how right. uh, key to their national identity they were. This to say, okay, well, you know, these people regard them as heroes, so we should accept that. It's fine. That is just unprecedented. I mean, is Israel officially changing their policy and saying that, you know, anti-Semitism is okay so long as the people locally say it's okay? That's just unheard of. So the modern it's, it's, it's hypocrisy, guys. It shows you that they don't really care about what they say they care about. There's plenty of people in Israel that buy what they say and do believe it internally. But the Zionist government doesn't care. They're the ones literally arming the Azov movement. They don't care. They're just like the U.S. government doesn't really care about Christianity or your free speech. It's all about a means to an end, guys. These people are trying to be- control your lives. Ukrainian national identity, uh, it is uh, built around hatred of Russians. You know, you, they're using the SS ruins, they're using all this symbolism, and then they're like, oh, well, these are Russian ancient symbols. No, no. The people who designed those symbols very specifically told the Western press just a couple of years ago that they were uh, modeling this stuff on Nazi symbolism. It's just now it's being covered up because of this whole ongoing conflict and the attempt to justify all this by, oh, we're the poor victims of aggression. Well, guess what? Everybody says that every time. And let's not forget, guys, like how embarrassing this really is, right? So we, it shouldn't be, we know this. The, anybody who has any honesty in their body knows what we're looking at and knows that they're pretending not to care about it or they're, they're choosing not to care about it because it's inconvenient to point it out. The point is to really understand, all that aside, that you have the entity who is championing an entire effort to fight white supremacy around the world, to fight racism around the world, because with ha- and they're the champion of the largest racist Nazi element on the planet today, and working with some of the most outwardly fascist and, and authoritarian groups in the world. Israel, Saudi Arabia, I mean, all the, France, Germany, I mean, all these, all these governments that are actively showing you who they really are. I mean, it's just so insulting. And then you got these people that are so rabid about what they believe they're fighting for who are working and fighting for a government that's actively doing what they're trying to stop to happen. It's just, it's, it's counterintuitive. It's absolutely crazy. And of course, there's also the point to get into the last couple points here, as Peter points out, in case you were wondering where all the money regional banks use to invest in local communities now is headed, BlackRock and J.P. Morgan are set up to reconstruction banks for Ukraine, just like every other thing that happens. They are siphoning off all the resources from this country, and it is not going to benefit the people of Ukraine like it didn't benefit the people of Libya, people of Afghanistan, people of Syria, the people of Iraq, or any other location they were fighting for freedom. As I always say, even if you think they were truly trying to fight for good things, maybe we should realize that they keep failing at it. How many times can you not do what you say you're going to do before we go, well, maybe just stop trying to free everybody because all you're doing is ruining lives. 
The point is they weren't actually trying to free anybody. It's just, it's amazing that we, however you look at it, that we keep allowing this to happen. And let's not forget, we've talked about this quite a bit. The COVID coup from June 18th, 2020. I wrote this, or did the show, the BlackRock takeover of American interests. Here's a, a recent article from Josh Walkos, the long shadow of BlackRock. Understand what's really going on. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guys to watch it for yourselves. There's a video that was recently put out by James O'Keefe showing a BlackRock recruiter who is literally telling you on the record that they decide who people's fates. It's not who's the president is. It's who's controlling the wall of the president. And all it takes is $10,000 to buy a senator. War is good for business. We know all this, guys, because you watch this show or because you can think for yourselves and you're not stupid. You can clearly tell that this has always been the case. And we live in this illusion of some kind of democracy or some kind of representative government. And if we truly want that, we need to be honest with ourselves or we're never going to see past it. And I'll, this one as well, I'll leave this for you to watch for yourselves just because we went a little long. It's just a great clip. It says the Zionist lobby is on a mission to criminalize any criticism of the state of Israel and to push anti-imperialists out of public life. Professor David Miller is being attacked for doing what any honest person would do, which would be calling out the criminal activity, calling out the hypocrisy that we can all see. The bottom line is, guys, that all this aside, whether what happened today or what's going on with Wagner, is you can see that your governments are actively doing the very thing they pretend they're trying to stop. I don't know what you call that, but villainy. I don't know what you call that, but evil. They're doing bad and telling you that you deserve, they deserve praise for it. That we need more funding so we can keep hurting people. It's time for us to wake up because we are this close to changing everything. And I really believe we can do it. It's got to keep pushing past the two-party illusion and see these pundits and these high-level manipulators for who they really are. And maybe they don't even realize it themselves. We just got to see past it. Thank you for tuning in today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Brzezinski was the strategist for Jimmy Carter and convinced Jimmy Carter to say, look, uh, the Russians are dominating uh, Afghanistan with a civilian secular government. Let's create al-Qaeda. Let's uh, back Osama bin Laden and give his supporters weapons to begin fighting the Russians. And uh, we can pull a coup d'etat there. And uh, the Russians will fight back. And then we'll say the Russians invaded. And it worked. Saudi Arabia made a deal with America that they would push the Wahhabi uh, extremists, uh, the Al-Qaeda, the most right-wing wing of Islamic parties, and it worked. Uh, essentially, Al-Qaeda is a contract army uh, for the United States. Well, the same thing was happening in, in Russia. What Brzezinski wrote was that America's faced with a possibility of not being able to rule the world unilaterally. Any country's economic ability to be self-sufficient means uh, potential military power. And in order to prevent any country from threatening America militarily, you have to prevent it from developing economically. Uh, the American nightmare, Brzezinski wrote, was that Russia would get together with Germany and with Western Europe, creating Russian raw materials, German industry, and somehow, finally, Russia would become westernized. Uh, America, uh, under Brzezinski's strategy, said this would be a disaster because if Russia is westernized, if it becomes democratic, if... if uh, 
uh, Europe and Russia are prosperous, then we cannot control them anymore, and they will have no reason to be NATO. We've got to stop Russia, and the place to stop this Russian-European uh, conglomeration is to split it right at the border uh, down Ukraine. Let's do in Ukraine what uh, we did in Afghanistan. Let's uh, back the crazies. Well, my-